What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Day Room Podcast. Um, I am joined again with my buddy, Anthony Langley. And today we're going to do something that we should have done prior to us starting a new segment that we do, him and I do together, um, and just dig a little bit into Anthony's background and where he comes from. And um, I was going to play the dueling banjos music, but I'm going to I'll let him start talking and, and uh, you'll you'll understand why I say that. I mean, you've heard him the last couple of weeks. So how's it going, bud? Everything's going good, going good. I figure since we're talking about me, I'm, I'm going to do it uh, true redneck style, right? And uh, <laughs> make uh, make my actions, uh, make my actions sound uh, like meet my my voice, you know, sound like a sound like a true redneck on here. No, don't, don't you guys <laughs> like rednecks drink PBR? Uh, it depends on the redneck or I'm, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit more, more a high class redneck. So I do the, I do the Miller light. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're more of a, a, a dollar general redneck, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's not dollar tree anymore. It's dollar general. <laughs> it's dollar general. Yeah. And fuck that place, man. I, I thought I went in there and I needed a candle, just a little candle to, to burn. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, it's a dollar. No. No, they, they don't. No, no, I don't even no. think they have anything that's a dollar. It's, you know, the candle that I wanted was $5 and normally a dollar tree would be a dollar. That's why they call it dollar general. It's generally around a dollar. Yeah, right? generally you're going to be spending some dollars. I guess. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> generally, my wife goes in there and spends a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you go in there and you need a shopping cart, it's too much. Yeah, it's way too much. It's way too much. <laughs> All right, buddy. So, <laughs> so let's, um, we're, we're going to talk about you a little bit. Sergeant first class in the army, right. 20 years, 20 plus or 20, 20 years, uh, 20 years in a month. 20 okay. Years 20 in years month. in a month. All right. And where are you originally from? I'm uh, I'm originally from a little, uh, little town, Valley, Alabama. Um, it's right on the Valley uh, and Georgia border on, if you're going up 85. Okay. And tell me about Valley. Like, what was it like growing up there? Oh, man. It was, uh, I don't know, it's a uh, it's small town, uh, small town Valley, uh, small town Alabama, I guess you could say. It was, it was, it was fairly, fairly quiet for the most part. Um, really uh, family-oriented type place. Uh, what was really great about Valley was you had an hour's drive, 45 minutes to an hour's drive, and you're in Atlanta. 45 minutes, an hour's drive the other way, you're in Montgomery. So you got big city, small city. Three hours north, you're in the mountains. And three hours south, you're at the beach. Wow. And how far is Birmingham? Uh, Birmingham is about, let's say, probably about an hour and a half. Okay. So not uh, terribly far. Two hours. It's not too terribly far. You go up, you go up 231. Uh, I believe it's 231, if I remember correctly. Uh, as opposed to going down 85. Okay. and. This is going to be a, a one of those questions because I, I, I talk when I talk to my folks from Bama, I always mm-hmm. got to ask: Is your town closer to Auburn or Tuscaloosa? We're actually right outside of Auburn. Uh, my uh, so much so that the school colors for Valley High School were uh, orange and blue. Wow! And and so <laughs> why'd you go the other way? Uh, most of my most of my family they were uh, they were Auburn fans. I uh, I've always been one that kind of goes against the grain a little bit. 
And both my mother and my father were Auburn fans. Uh, a lot of my family were Auburn fans. There's a few of few Alabama fans in there. Um, but I just went against the grain and scream roll tide. And then the first year that I really paid attention to college football, we won the national championship, um, 90, 92 to 93 season. And I've been stuck big time fan ever since. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, being from Northern California, being a Southern University of Southern Cal fan, I get it. You know, I could have gone yeah. with Cal, Stanford, whatever, but I I enjoyed watching USC play. It was like, uh, you know, just watching a pro team on Saturday every week. Yeah. My favorite player of all time went to Alabama, and uh, he's also a big part of the reason I'm a Chiefs fan, too. That's Derek Thomas. Yeah, DT was the man. Yes. Born and raised in Valley. Lived there your entire yes. life? Entire life. I, uh, well, we had a, a few stints that we moved to Montgomery for a, a little bit. Uh, and then there's another little little town right outside of Valley. It's Beulah, Alabama. I don't really claim that, but that's where I spent most <laughs> of my high school years. Um, and uh, my dad died when I was 11. So uh, kind of had to follow the mom. And uh, her boyfriend, my my stepdad at the time, he uh, he lived in Beulah. We kind of went there, but I just stayed stayed uh, stayed attached to the valley. So, okay, how many? Like, how big is Valley? How many people? Oh boy, I want to say. Or back then, if you had to guess, I'd want to say maybe maybe sixty thousand. Wow. Maybe sixty thousand people. Okay, uh, so that's not a terribly small town. It I wasn't. Mean, it wasn't terribly small, but it wasn't. Yeah. So when I was born, it was. Uh, it, there were a lot of communities that were, that were a lot smaller. Langdale, Shawmut, uh, things like that, and then they they all incorporated make the city of Valley. Uh, shortly after I was born, uh, so just plain Valley. Okay, and I'm not going to pull up a map, but I, they, the one place that I know, um, Phoenix City. How, how far from Phoenix City are you guys? Yeah, so we're we're about, I'd say about 30 minutes, maybe 45 out of Phoenix City. Okay, so if if if, if that really. All right, so you probably you probably had some encounters with military folks from uh, Benning. Yeah, yeah. So we. Uh, a lot of times we would ride down to uh, ride down to Fort Benning, uh, Columbus, and uh, check out things that were going on down there. Um, before I graduated, a buddy of mine he had he had joined the he had joined the army um, and was a, a a little bit of a I mean he did the delayed entry program, didn't know what he was going to do, so automatically he got uh, he got benefits to go on post and and uh, and that's when posts were open. So we were able to go into the PX and buy stuff, you know, duty free. That was that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then we went in there and bought some bought some CDs and stuff and uh, movies, things like that. And it was kind of it was kind of neat doing all that. Then he wound up not going in the into the army and backed out of this deal. And uh, and he <laughs> it was surprising. So so he uh, he wound up uh, going to college instead and. And we wound up uh, like losing those benefits and being able to go on to on onto base and do the PX and stuff. So yeah, well, that, I mean, that must have been awesome to be able to experience that as a kid. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Um, 
one of the things that uh, that they would always talk about is like, hey, if if we ever got attacked as uh, as uh, as the United States, it'd be one of the one of the key points. Fort Benning being right there to try to hit, and uh, it used to be like little scare tactics that we'd have. We'd actually we actually did uh, nuclear drills and stuff like that at school uh, when I was a kid in high school. At school, yeah, wow. it was like straight straight. 50s and 60s type stuff. <laughs> That's crazy. You got gas masks in your desk? <laughs> no, we didn't have gas masks in our desk. We they're like, oh, if we see a, if we see a mushroom cloud, get under your desk. It's like it's pretty much too late at that point. That's but you crazy. know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now uh, you you say your dad passed away at 11. Yeah, my my dad passed away at 11. He had cancer, lung cancer, um, and uh, he was he was a smoker. Well, the the scary thing what to me was that my my grandfather he passed away from lung cancer as well and from what i understood he was not a smoker so don't know if it's something that that runs in the family or or not but uh cancer has always been one of my biggest fears i guess you could say yeah yeah i can imagine i mean that's a pivotal time in your life where you know you everything is is starting to come together, you know. You just a couple of years away from being a young man, you know. And dad is probably the most important person to you at, at that point. To you know, you're watching everything that he does. So you see, uh, you know, dad getting sick with cancer, and you know that he smoked. And it, I, I can, I can imagine how scary that must be. So now you are kind of. Let me go back. You have siblings? Uh, not for my my mom. Uh, my dad had uh, had uh, two other boys and a, and a and a daughter. They were much much older than I was. Um, my uh, as a matter of fact, I believe both of them had gotten married before I was born or shortly after. Okay. Um, so a lot older. They lived in in different places. Uh, my one brother lived in Huntsville. Another one lived in uh, Jackson, Tennessee. My sister, she lived around the Memphis area. Okay. So you're now at this point, it's, you know, you're the man of the house and it's just you and mom until your stepdad comes along. Yeah. Okay. And if it's not too tough to talk about, like going forward, I mean, like I said, 11 to, to lose your dad. Were you guys pretty close? Like, were you and your dad close? Yeah, I'd say so. We uh, we had a really good, uh, really good relationship. Of course, I was his baby. You know, I guess you could say um, we had a we had a we had a really good relationship uh, for the most part. But he was a he was a straight person. My dad was born in 1933. Yeah. Uh, so he was he was already a much older man. Um, I'm still younger than he was whenever they had me. Wow. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about, right? <laughs> it, you know, a huge it's a huge gener- generational gap, but he he did uh, he did put me on a on a bit of a pedestal. You know, it was like what I wanted, I I kind of got. Um, uh, I was it's easy it's easy to look back now and say I was a, I was a spoiled kid when it came to my dad. Uh, I remember when when the NES came out, Nintendo Entertainment System come out. Um, we had went to a Walmart and and I was like, oh, I, li- I really like I really like to have that. And before the trip, my 
My dad's like, don't ask for anything. You're not getting anything. Okay. Well, we, we go in there. Oh, they have, they have a Nintendo. They have a Nintendo. I want a Nintendo. And it was just like week one of it coming out, like day one or something. And, uh, and I was like, no, I said, you're not getting anything. But I really wanted, I don't know how the conversation went, but I imagine. And he, he got it for me. Got it for me in, in a, another game, too. They, they only had, like, Zelda at the time. Yeah. And got the little golden, the golden Zelda cartridge that I wish I still had because that thing's worth some money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving moving forward after, you know, dad passes and it's just it's mm-hmm. you and mom. Um, you got to look after mom. I assume that's probably how you were taking it. Yeah, it was... Uh, you know, is that 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 point as as a child where you don't really know what's next? Uh, you just know that your dad's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're still trying to be a kid, but trying to, you know, trying to figure things out. And uh, it, I mean, it took me years for it to to really hit me about him being gone uh, emotionally. Um, but it, my mom was the type that was, she had to move on fast. She felt like she had to move on fast to take care of me, I guess. I, I'm assuming that's what it is. Uh, so she went through, started dating, you know, six months after he, he died. Um, and uh, next thing you know, she had a, she had a, another man in her life that tried to uproot us. And like I said, took us to, took us to Montgomery. Well, this guy turned out to be a coke head and, and everything else um so uh we ended up coming back and uh and then she met kenny my uh my stepdad uh who is an excellent man an excellent man a great man uh i feel so bad for him for being with my my mom so you know (laughs) (laughs) he deserves so much is he still he deserves so much better no he uh he died uh uh was it oh nine i think okay so i mean two very influential men in your life died at you know critical points because you it's it gets kind of it's kind of odd because uh um because the way that she moved on uh i started getting really close to the the first boyfriend and uh and um, and then next thing you know, we were up and moving again and they weren't going to be together. Um, I found out later what all that he had done and, and everything, but before they had, uh, before they had busted up, he, he ended up having a seizure and I'm the one that caught him having a seizure. And, uh, so you can imagine, you know, young me, 11, 12 years old, catching him having a, having a seizure and, I'm immediately call nine one one, and I'm holding the guy's head, and I'm, he's on the ground twitching and just violently, and I'm scared I'm going to lose another man in my another father figure man in my life, you know. And uh, so that was that was that was kind of tough. And then whenever they they busted up, I didn't know what to think really. So having that that bit of stable. Uh, stable life influence was it was not there. Yeah. So when did your mom and Kenny 
uh, get together? Were you in junior high, elementary school? I believe I was seventh grade, junior high. Um, maybe eighth grade. Not sure. Yeah, it was. Uh, so he came into my life. I was still, you know, still very, very young. But uh, uh, he was. He was a. He was a. A good influence in a lot of ways and a lot of ways that you know it was kind of tough between us yeah as i mean it's gonna be you got you know yeah. again you're you're the man of the house another man comes in it's i i because i can recall when i was a kid and having to go through similar situation my dad didn't pass away but he wasn't there and you, you know every single time a man would come in you know, I, I, I'm the oldest and, you know, yeah. so my mom has just put me in charge of everything when she's not there. And then this guy comes in, we don't know who this guy is and he's, you know, trying to dictate things and, and I'm going to push back, of course. So I don't, you know, I yeah. don't know you, you don't, you know, every other guy that's come here has left. So just enjoy right. your time here and you don't run anything. Yeah. And I can imagine what that what that must have been like um now we talk about this well we've talked about this before about uh how we love sports any of this play an impact in you like now getting into high school and wanting to play sports like was there no it, i uh i always enjoyed doing backyard sports uh, i was always uh, i was always really good at doing back backyard sports i i didn't get to play peewee football uh, I did one year of uh, Babe Ruth, um, Dixie Youth base- Baseball. So it was trying trying to find myself, trying to get out and do do more things. But we didn't have we didn't have any money. We didn't have resources that were available that really could help me in in these ways. Uh, trying to get into trying to get into sports and get me to the to the games, get me to the practices, uh, buy all the equipment, um, things like that. So, so it was, I mean, it was it was kind of tough trying to get out. I see my friends that were, you know, playing playing football and baseball and and in leagues, and I say, hey, I want to I want to do this, I want to do this, and get told, hey, you don't, we don't have the money. Um, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Fine. Sounds sounds good. <laughs> uh so so getting into getting into junior high, um I was like, I I want to play football in junior high. And uh and so went and did the physicals, ended up uh ended up playing football in, in junior high. Uh enjoyed the heck out of it. I, of course I was roughly the same size I am now in junior high, so <laughs> What are you five so, nine? Um, five. I'm five seven. Um, so I. I mean, I peaked. I peaked in, in shortly after junior high. Uh, like I guess most people did. I was, but in junior high, I I, I measured in at uh, five five and a half to five six, and uh, and around one forty one forty five. So yeah, that's, so that's I, mean, average, I was, though, I was for, good size. Yeah. I mean, but back then I was good size. I was like one of the one of the bigger kids. So I'm playing linebacker and and uh, sometimes uh, nose tackle and defensive end, and uh, I enjoyed the heck out of that. Yeah. So when we uh, when I come back from uh, from summer on you know after after 
eighth grade and everybody else is kind of towering over me. I'm like, what the heck happened here? And I was taller than I was taller than one of my friends. Uh, his name is Reed. Uh, I was taller than him. And uh, and then we come back and this guy's over six foot. I'm like, what the hell did you do? Come on, guy. <laughs> what were you eating? And can I have some? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I should have known. I should have known. But because, you know, nobody in my, I'm, I'm the tallest person in my family, really. Uh, I might have one cousin that's taller. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, I should have, I should have known. Yeah. Um. It was it was kind of crazy. I met I met my peak so early. So naturally, when I get there, I'm and still being one of the fastest on the team. They're like, okay, well, you're gonna you know go and uh, play wide receiver and corner. So I played wide receiver and corner, Iron Man football on a team that never threw the ball against teams that never threw the ball, and I got tired of running. What uh, were you at a big school or a smaller school? It was a it was a four A school. Well, no, it was a five A school. Five A, so it was, it was full eleven on eleven. So it was. Uh, so I mean, it was a it was a it was a decent sized school. It, it was at the low end of the of five A because I believe we were a five A area five champs. Um, few years running, um, but it was uh there were a lot of a lot of other schools that once you got out of the area, they they just had a lot more resources, a lot bigger, tougher, stronger, faster kids. So we get put out in the playoffs, you know, second round. Yeah. Now, was a a school like Hoover still pretty top notch back then? Uh, I believe Hoover peaked after us. Uh, back then, it was uh, Central was a big one. It was uh, Robert E. Lee at that point, and uh, and they uh, they produced so much talent. Gosh, we uh, my senior year, I believe it was we we made it to. Um, we made it to what the third round, fourth round of the playoffs, something like that, and and got put out by Greenville. Um, they they did pretty well. Uh, they had a they had a few a uh, few of their guys that went and excelled in in college and uh, actually in the pros too. So, okay. Now, any notable folks from from Valley? Uh, there are a few. Lemansky Hall. Uh, he played for Alabama and uh, and for the Texans, I believe is what it was. Maybe the Oilers can't remember. Uh, John Copeland, uh, he played for uh, he played for Valley, um, and uh, he went and he went pro. He was he was All American, and uh, I believe he was a first or second round pick. Um, I think he went to the Bengals and played. Yeah, so uh, I mean, uh, there's there's been a few. Not not many. There are no no real real big ones, but uh Lemansky Hall is probably the biggest one. He wound up being a, a coach, um, a D one coach for a few teams. He actually coached for Alabama for a little while. Okay. Now you for when you got it into freshman year, were you on the freshman team, J V varsity? So we had um we had our freshman team. Um and uh I I had done uh, JV and and freshman, and then uh, uh, so we had the ninth grade team, and then they would always play at the same time as the as the JV team, um, and then a few of us would go up to uh, go up to uh, varsity, but we would always practice a lot with the varsity 
so we had this one guy. Um, his name was uh, Nick Nick Gooden. He uh, this guy was a beast at uh, at this running back for varsity, and uh, I remember lining up, and I uh, I did uh, right outside linebacker, and he uh, he took off to my direction. I run up there, and I go to hit him with all I've got, and I just went backwards. <laughs> Holy crap! Just went backwards. This guy was just a beast. Oh, I, I ended up tackling him about 10 yards later because my hand got stuck in his jersey <laughs> and uh, kind of wrapped up. And I just didn't, I couldn't pull myself to let go and, and got him down. So, so that was, uh, that was, that was kind of the end of my, my linebacker time. So <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. So from there, uh, tell, tell me what your, your high school experience though, overall was like in Valley. I wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, so for me, I was, I was kind of a, was kind of a, uh, kind of an outlier. I, uh, I did sports, uh, some, so I played baseball and, and football, uh, and then, uh, and then kind of got into a, a, a kind of got into a funk where it was all like, I'm going to go and smoke some weed and drink and this, that, and the other. So I was hang out with the stoners. So I did that and had a lot of friends that were in band. So I hung out with band kids a lot. And uh, so I was kind of multifaceted. So I didn't really fit around like one click. Um, and then uh, and then when I finally got myself straight and wanted to worry about like getting school stuff done, I uh, I had found rodeo and. Uh, I was a I was a bull rider for a few years. Um, so I, I traveled around Alabama and around the southeast uh, riding bulls, and thought that rodeo was going to be my career. But as far as in school, in school it was uh, it was kind of it was kind of easy going on me. Uh, kind of fit around anybody, go to go to anywhere. Kind of kind of was just accepted in in most little cliques. Now. I'm not going to let you just slide right over that rodeo shit. <laughs> Let's go back to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cuz it's not something. Right. Was that offered in high school? Or did you no, just No, it was not. Um, oh, okay, okay. I I so I had a friend um that uh he owned he owned a lot of cows and stuff like that and and I did a, a couple of side jobs for him and and uh the first time that I'd uh, I had I attempted to do any kind of any kind of bull riding rodeo and stuff like that, I I was I was helping him out and he uh he takes me to a what they call a practice pen practice arena uh that was that was kind of local and they're like hey you want to you want to go get on a get on a bull you want to try it I'm like sure why not and I was 15 at the time yeah why not okay yeah let's do this so they uh they strap me up tell me what to do and Hold on tight, and uh, and I got on. I got on this bull, and and my very first ride, I actually covered the bull. So what covering the bull is is it, it, the ride's eight seconds, right? You make eight seconds on the timer, and and you've covered. Um, so the very first time I got on, I, I covered, and I fell in love with it. Absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and then uh, we we had some friends at uh, at school that that actually had they were riding they ride, they rode bulls in high school circuit 
and got to talking to them and found another practice arena that uh, that we found is Rock and W Rodeo Arena. Guy I'm still friends with today. Uh, his name is Jason White. His dad um, uh, ran the ran this little practice pen, little rodeos up there every now and again. So I would go up there every week and buck out bulls, pay to get on practice pen, get into his in their little association. Did a uh, actually did a a school. You know, I wound up getting second place in the school. It was uh, it was kind of fun. But the the funny thing was that we got up there for the school and was, you know, camp out and you get to ride as much as you want. And the first day of the school, a buddy of mine that was that was uh, up there riding with me, he he gets he gets bucked off and uh, bull stomps on his leg and broke his femur. And uh, yeah, so it was that was quite ugly. So wound up having to take him to the hospital and I went to go in and check on him and everything. As a matter of fact, that first day was rough on me too, because I got knocked out. Um, I got on the bull and uh, the bull gets up there and, and, and it makes a good turn. And I immediately dropped down and bull, bull caught me in the head and knocked me out. Um, and then well, it, it it more or less not me senseless, and then they immediately put me back on another bull, and this bull comes out, and I'm I'm like senseless, and this is one of the easier bulls, and he comes out and he takes a turn, and I did not turn with him, I went straight down and hit my head on the rock, I was I was gone. Jeez. <laughs> no helmet. Um, no, no helmets. Man, we're real man, we're not these <laughs> sissy men over wearing no hey, I see on real time on PBR. I see him. I see him riding. Yeah, a weird and helmet I on. hate it. I hate it. They, uh, they were, the helmets were just starting to really come out back then. And uh, there were a few people that would, would ride with them. And I just thought it would just throw me off balance. And, uh, and I wanted to win. But you'd probably so, have your senses. Uh, I don't know about that either. I didn't have many of them <laughs> to begin with. I got a question. I never understood this. So covering the bull, why, why is it eight seconds and not 10 seconds or five seconds? I have did, no did, dang idea. No, like I always <laughs> I never thought that. Me. I'm like, what a what a weird ass number of seconds when you 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 could just go to ten. Like, all right, so uh, so me, I'll tell you something that uh, you ever get on a bull. Uh, that eight seconds is extremely long. It is a long time. You think about it: one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi, six Mississippi, seven Mississippi. That's a long freaking time. But that, but it's longer because you're slow because you got an accent. <laughs> so, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah, I, that always confused me. I'm like, why? You know, it's okay. Eight seconds. Uh, I, I don't know why. Um, I, I've I've never inquired about it. Why it's eight seconds? I don't know if there's any kind of special meaning behind it or uh, what, or if it's a time that just made sense. Yeah. I'm probably going to go down a rabbit hole here when we're done, just figuring it out and find out everything <laughs> I find out. don't need to know about bull riding. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a great time. That was a great time in my life. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's one of those things that I wish I could have another go at, but I know that I'm way too old and broken down to try that now. <laughs> yeah. So I say, why don't you, you know, go, go try it. I'm sure they have little, like, uh, Semi-pro bull Man, riding. I, I don't. I don't. 
I don't think I would. Uh, I don't think I would last too well on a on a pig nowadays. So, <laughs> or a cow. <laughs> the cow would. Throw it ain't you happening. <laughs> do, you, do you ever go to any events out there? Uh, they haven't had. They've had a few events here uh, since I got here, but nothing. Nothing too big. Uh, the PBR came down here one year, and we had something else going on, and and I missed it. Um, there, there's usually always some sort of little buck out. There's actually a practice pin, uh, probably about an hour south of here. Um, uh, I asked about it whenever we first, we first got here and I just, I never went and checked it out. Yeah. One thing I noticed, um, is it is freaking massive. It is a massive sport in Brazil. Had no clue, no idea. I was watching it and it been on ESPN, um, probably about a month or two ago. And just probably a good sixty percent of the the riders were from Brazil. Yeah, there's a there's quite a lot in in Brazil. There was a uh, there was a pro bull rider uh, uh, back when I was when I was riding uh, Adriano Marias. He uh, gosh, this guy was just he was crazy crazy good. Uh, I think three or four time world champion bull rider, um, and. Uh, this guy, when when he got on the bull, it was like you see his forearms. His forearm were just just massive. Oh man, uh, and uh, like really looked up to this guy. He was he was something special, and um, and he caused he did a lot for the the sport and caused a craze for it to go really international. So with him. And then people wanted to be like him. It was us. And and down down there, they would have rodeos, but it was never like just a big hoopla. I mean, it was it was big for the communities and stuff, but it was never uh, never like pro bull riding going to Brazil and and, and whatnot. And uh, but he did a he did a massive uh, amount for making it, you know, worldwide even. Yeah, see, I, I there's a I lot like of that. there's a lot of Aussies that that came up, so a lot of Australians that would come up and and just to be in the rodeo. There was a uh, the Hot Brothers. They uh, they like to come up from Australia and and talk all kinds of crap about us not being real men. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate, our yeah. toilets go the right way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they uh, but they were. I mean, they they were. They were good. They backed it. They backed it up. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was interesting. I, 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 I tell you, I, I feel like I, I feel like sometimes I miss my calling with it because um, I I thought I did really well. Um, did half a. I did my senior year. I did a, a national high school rodeo association uh, for Alabama, and uh, I finished the year third and missed the second half of the year. Still got invited to the finals. And That's didn't awesome. go. I feel like so. if you if you grew up in Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, like you got to do some shit with livestock or uh, agriculture or you know steer roping or something. You have to do something like that at least for a couple years in your life. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, a a little bit of a rite of passage uh in a in a way um the place where i i grew up my 
our house, we had a, we had a set of woods behind my house and then behind that set of woods was a cow pasture. And we would go out there, play fox and hounds, hide and seek, you know, just running around in the snow whenever it did snow and, and, uh, messing with the bulls and the cows and stuff that are sitting out there. We dam up the little creek that ran through it, go swimming in the creek. <laughs> Tons of fun. Gosh, man, youth was a youth was something that I miss. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, th- th- things are definitely different. I don't know if kids even play outside anymore these days. You just you said something interesting um, that you feel like you might have missed your calling, but I haven't haven't served with you in the military. Um, I don't think you did because I think you were a hell of a soldier. Talk me through what, what year did you graduate high school? So I graduated high school in 98. Um, I didn't start serving immediately. Um, I was not a, I was not a big fan of the government. Um, I, uh, I wasn't going to go into the army. Um, nothing like that. It wasn't like I hated the army or anything like that, but I wasn't a big fan of government and the, the army was a, no, a an extension of that. Um, so I just took to I just took to working, try to try to work and continue my rodeo a little bit, uh, any little bit that I could, and um, and then uh, my wife now she uh, she she's like, hey, why don't you move down to Brunswick, Georgia, and come live uh, come live down here with me? I'm like, okay, why not? Is she from Valley as well? No, she's uh, she's she's from Brunswick, Georgia. Okay. Um, and uh, and it was kind of a kind of a scary thing going going off, you know, on my own. Don't know what to expect or anything like that. And I'm going to be living with her and her her mom and stepdad and her brother. And uh, really didn't know what was going on. I didn't I didn't have a job, but I had something kind of lined up to to be a painter. Um, and uh, so I worked as a painter while I was there. That's wild. Now, how how did you meet her? Uh, so one of my best friends is her cousin, and uh, we met one time when she was visiting. Uh, it's funny we we met at a wedding, and uh, wait, am uh, I I'm, I want to make sure I'm aunt, saying her name right. Is it Terrell or Terrell? Terrell. Okay. Yeah. Her first her first name is Tony. She goes by Terrell. Yeah. Uh, so kind of fun. It's always fun, fun times whenever somebody says, Hey, Tony, and I look and <laughs> they might be talking about her. It's a very Southern Especially. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we, yeah, we met, uh, met at a, at a wedding and noticed, I just noticed this, this hot girl sitting there with, with, uh, with Aunt Ginger, this buddy's aunt. And then we start talking to Ginger and I, I kept, you know, looking up at her and making, you know, kind of making a little eye contact here and there. So I was like, man, she's, she's good looking. After the wedding, we, uh, we went to, uh, went over to Ginger's house, uh, like later on that day, we're sitting there on the couch and I don't know what it was that I said. I said something and, and she didn't like it. And she hit me. <laughs> she, she freaking reared back and punched me. And, uh, I was in love ever since. So <laughs> she beat the love into you. Didn't take much either. 
That's funny. So, I mean, it, it was it was enough love to get you to move to Brunswick. And so, what was so when what she uh, she would visit? Well, she would visit, uh, and uh, you know, we we kind of lived our you know lived our lives, and she would visit. And if I was if I was dating somebody, I would kind of drop everything whenever she was around. And we would uh, we'd just hang out together, you know, get lovey-dovey and and got a little bit closer every time that she would visit. And she'd visit a few times a year. And then the next thing you know, she's like, hey, you want to, you know, come to, you know, come to my prom with me? I'm like, heck yeah. Why so I went to her prom as opposed to my senior prom. At that point, we're like, hey, it was kind of make it, you know, just try to make this like exclusive. I guess. And, and it kind of, we just kind of stayed hooked ever since. So that's beautiful. Now you drove to Brunswick like, yeah. to go see yeah. her. Well, when, when, uh, I, I, I did a few times. Um, now she, uh, when her prom, I didn't know what was going on, how I was going to get anywhere. And, uh, I ended up, I ended up taking a, uh, taking a bus, uh, and, uh, it's funny cause she, it's funny because she paid for it. <laughs> she is like, really? You're going to pay for it? Okay. All right. You pay for it. I'll, I'll go. Why not? Yeah. Cause that's, that's like a six yeah. hour drive, isn't it? Yeah. It's about a six hour drive, about, yeah. about four and a half, five hours, six, maybe six. But it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a rough one. There you go. <laughs> cross, cross. But Hey, it was, it was, it was tons of fun. And, uh, I, uh, look at what I have now with her and, yeah. and she's, she makes me a better man. So, yeah, well, I, I know she's going to hear this. So there you go. Scoring some more brownie points. <laughs> <laughs> she might, she might hear it. I don't know if she listened to the last one or not. <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, how, how, how long after you moved to Brunswick, uh, did you start thinking about the military? Cause I know you're right there between uh, Army Airfield and, and for Stewart, it still wasn't on my mind. It wasn't a flip on the radar. It it really wasn't. I, uh, I moved to moved to Brunswick um, shortly after I graduated high school and was there for was there for I guess probably six months, something like that. And then uh, and then some circumstances happened. And I wound up having to move back to. I moved back to the Valley area and, um, and then when she graduated high school the following year, she moved down to, uh, she moved down to the Valley with me. Um, the military was kind of, uh, it was kind of, kind of a, a weird thing, right? Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I did certain, certain like factory type jobs in Valley. Um, Valley was a big mill. Uh, place so like you had the cotton mills and you had uh you had uh Kanoff fiberglass company um and uh that was like the dream job of valley is go work Knopf because they paid a lot for the area and uh i got a job working at Knopf we got married and just kind of like trying to find ourselves in the in the young marriage that that we had and then uh and then noticed that they were opening up a Walmart distribution center um in Lagrange, Georgia. And uh 
I went there and started out making, went there and interviewed well. Uh, I had the highest paid associates job there. I was what's called a merge operator. So I was in charge of uh, merging all the all the um, receiving freight into from like 28 lanes down into four lanes to send to shipping and make sure that shipping didn't get overran, but had a, a constant flow of, of merchandise. And uh, so that was my job. I got paid $17.50 an hour in 1999 to two, yeah, 99 to, to do that. Yeah, so that's like in double. Lagrange, Georgia. That was a that was a dang good job. Yeah, and so that's uh, half of what you would be making right now if you had that same job, probably. Yeah, probably, uh, probably it was they and they they gave you all kinds of benefits working at uh working at Walmart at that point. Well, so how I got how how I got on the joining the military, right? So I I worked three days a week at uh at walmart and it was full time so you got paid you got paid like it was 40 hours uh three 12 hour shifts and then you got paid like it was 40. so i had plenty of time off when when she was actually working so i i worked section eight housing uh doing maintenance work for a, a buddy of mine uh, him and his uh him and his uh soon to be father-in-law i guess you could say and got to talking about uh talking about sailing one day he had a he had a boat and talked about uh talked about like hey you could buy this boat and uh, so i brought it up to the wife I'm like hey why don't we uh why don't we buy this uh buy this sailboat and we could go sail around the world you know sail around the bahamas and down in the caribbean and stuff and live and live down that way you know eat what we catch and you know do like a few little odd jobs here and there and just have fun, be free, be vagabonds, you know? And, uh, she was not on board with that at all, at all. Well, uh, my supervisor at Walmart, he was not the brightest bulb, if you will. Uh, he wasn't, he was not, uh, but he had two years of military experience, two years in the army. And Walmart hired him on as a as a supervisor. It's funny you say two years, because <laughs> two that, years that could mean one of two things: either he was in a long time ago, or it was uh it was when it was when two years was a, was the minimum, I believe. Okay, okay. So it, it's not um, any funny chapter situation. Yeah, I, I don't think it was. A, I don't think it was a chapter situation. Uh, I never asked him. I didn't know anything about it then. Yeah. Uh, but he had he had two years of military experience, and and Walmart hired him on as a, as a supervisor. And I got to noticing that they would hire someone with military experience on as a supervisor before they would uh, hire someone on at that had a four year degree. I thought that was funny. I was like, man, that's kind of crazy. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and I got to talking to a lot of the supervisors there. They're like, yeah, you, you could go and, and go and do the military for a couple of years and uh, and come back to Walmart. I'm like, I could come back to Walmart if I quit. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, Walmart has a military leave of absence policy where they give you five years military leave of absence 
to join the army. And, uh, and then when you come, when you finish your, your time with the army, you come back and they guarantee you the same job that you had when you left. And they guarantee you all the raises that you would have gotten while you were, while you were gone to include profit sharing. Heck of a deal. They still do that? Heck of a deal. I don't know if they still do. They would probably be kind of crazy because, <laughs> but, um, so I, I got the, I got to toying with it. And when, and when the wife, uh, when the wife said, no, I'm not going to go sailing. I was like, I'm, I think I'm going to join the army then. So I wanted something different. I wanted to, I wanted something, I wanted to do something different, get out of the valley, uh, get away from like the, the factory jobs. But this presented an option to, have something to come back to and uh and i i went and talked to recruiters and decided i was joining the army that's wild <laughs> yep and where what year was that that was uh that was 2000 so uh year 2000 i uh i said i was going to do that and uh Initially, I wanted to be a uh, I wanted to be a sixty seven Tango. Is that a mechanic? And that's a uh, that's basically Black Hawk crew chief, basically. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, mechanic ultimately. Um, and uh, they didn't have anything there, and they told me what was available. Said air traffic controller. I'm like air traffic controllers, they make pretty good money, don't they? And I did a little bit of research real quick and found out that air traffic controllers made uh, made a, a great amount of money and uh, on the civilian world. And I was like, you know what? I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's 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 my story of how I joined the army. It you was, know, it's fairly that quick. It's it's so crazy. Because a lot of the guys that I've talked to. Um, started their careers right around the 2000, 2001 mark. And and mm-hmm. we know the significant events that happened um, in, in yeah. 01. Um, and we'll get, we'll get to that. But um, everybody that I've talked to has had a similar kind of a uh, similar story, similar reaction to what happened. Um, you, you know, from basic to AIT, where where did you do basic? So I did basic at Benning. Okay, just thirty Walk. thirty minutes away from the house. Walk down the street, go to Benning. It's it's kind of funny. Uh, we were we were marching down the street one day, and I got to noticing something. I'm like, that looks like my car. And sure as shit, my wife is driving around Benning. And sees us freaking marching, starts yelling and honking and everything else. Like, who the hell is that? (laughs) Keep my damn mouth shut. (laughs) That's funny. Like, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she would. uh, She would. She'd ride down there every now and again, and and just to see if she could try to spot me or something. While you're, while you're in basic training. While I'm in basic training. That is awesome. That's awesome. And and it's another. A uh, unique situation that not a lot of soldiers get married before they go in. So your yep. spouse, your wife already had her military ID. <laughs> yep. She already had her. 
and and like like I said, at, at that point in time, it was uh, it was an open base. You could you could drive on there all you want to, really? uh, whether you had an ID or not. Yeah, that's when they were open bases. Now looking back, it just seems like a, a tiny bit risky. It, it right, <laughs> it does seem that way. <laughs> I mean, especially on Fort Benning. I mean, the infantry, you know, the home of the infantry. It, it, yeah. seems, it seems a tiny bit risky. <laughs> right. So, man, you you stayed in the area that in pretty much the entire beginning, basic training at, at Fort Benning, and then you go right down yep. to uh Run down Fort to Mother Rucker. Rucker. Yep. Yep. Right. And then close to home. uh and then the kicker was I had airborne in my contract and uh went right back to Benning Jesus. after AIT. So, <laughs> and then my first duty station was Mother Rucker. That's wild. That is yeah. wild. I didn't go any damn way. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it is what it is, right? You're close to home. You got to still be around your family. Um, how old yeah. were you when you went, when you got into basic training, like your first boots on the ground, how old were you? I was, uh, I was 20 years old. Okay. I was already 20 years old. So like, and it's kind of funny, like we had, a, we had, you know, a few people in there that were older than me, but a lot, a lot of them, the majority of them were like out of high school, you know? And, uh, so I presented, you know, I, I definitely presented older, um, fit in with older crowds and drill sergeants kind of like, they kind of, uh, put me in with the, with the older crowds, more seasoned type individuals. So they they hardly ever, hardly ever messed around with me. Yeah. Until I had a, until I had a one instance that <laughs> they they decided to to give me some responsibility and uh, and make me keep it uh, after I so I had a a drill sergeant come up to me and we were about to do like do the I don't think it was even call combatives back then but we were about to go out there and and uh, wrestle around and grabs me by the grabs me by the shirt and just kind of puts it up on my on my neck and uh it's like i choke you out Langley. i was like Not if i choke you out first drill sergeant so we uh we wound up being the first ones to have a go in the in the pit and i got a hold of him <laughs> and i got hold of him good and uh and so big mistake i should just let him should just let him have it um then it was, oh, don't fuck, don't fuck with Langley, don't fuck with Langley. Oh. <laughs> yeah, little, little country boy over wrestling drill sergeants. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so uh, his name is there, drill sergeant Diaz, I believe is what it was. Man, it was a good time though. Yeah. So, what? When did you get to Fort Rucker? Like what? So we had uh, we had Exodus and in basic, and then I uh, went back, and I believe that I got to Rucker in I want to say February. Might have been February of uh, of two thousand one, and uh, and then uh, got. Put right into class, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I think I want to say like week uh, week 
three of me being there, they had a they had like a soldier above the best competition. So uh, uh, I entered it and did extremely well and earned my earned my phase four uh, very early on. So it's like week two or week three. So and explain uh, to me that competition. What's that? Uh, it, the the soldier above the best competition. Yeah, so it was soldier above the best competition. It was uh, it was a uh, a board a um, they did a, a board a, a ruck march a PT test uh, different other little skill sets like a first aid uh, you know all this other good stuff and uh, that was uh, that was. It was interesting. I, I get there first thing, and somebody's like, "Hey, you want to be in the Soldier by the Best competition?" It's like, "Not really." I'm like, do it and do well, and you're gonna, you'll get your, uh, get your phase early. I'm like, "Yeah, give it to me," <laughs> because, you know, my wife lived. You know, we lived what two hours away, so. <laughs> um, go home for the weekend. Hour and a half, two hours, something like that. I was like, "Shoot, yeah, I'll go home. I'll go home every dang weekend. Why not?" Yeah. Do you remember the soldier that won that competition? Yes. Uh, Richard won that competition, a uh, female soldier. Um, and, uh, and she, you know, she's, she's an older soldier too. I don't know if you remember Richard, do you? Yeah. I, I'm asking these questions because I was there. I was um, yeah. take grading some of the... Uh, Were you grading? Or taking yeah. scores. Yeah. Yeah. I was there then. Yeah. Um I I yeah, was Richard of course prior service. So um Yeah. You know, I was staying in the hotel until my wife came and then we got an apartment. Nice. Yeah. They uh after uh they had a they had a mess up with my my uh, airborne packet. Uh and uh I had to redo my airborne packet. So after I graduated AIT, they uh they moved me into the reclass barracks. Uh, so I sat in there for what a month, month and a half, something like that. And, uh, before they could get me, get me out to, uh, to airborne. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, tell uh, me, how, how much fun was it though? Like, I mean, you're married, you're from surprised. Alabama. Like I had no clue, um, anything about being in Alabama because I had never been there. I did, you know, I mean, basic training at Fort Sill. Uh, my first AIT was mm. at Fort Gordon, and then I went to Korea, came back, went to Fort Lewis, yeah. and then reclassed to ATC, and then went to Alabama. And I didn't, mm. I didn't, I had no clue how close Fort Rucker was to Destin and Panama City Beach. Yeah, Destin, Panama City Beach. Rosa. Yeah. I, I had no clue. And, you know, we're there in February, March, spring break. So mm -hmm. I remember the first time, um, well, I, I mean, I kind of got settled in and, and my wife and my daughter weren't there yet. So I'm hanging out with a couple of um, other guys that, that reclassed. One guy had failed out of like diver school or something like that. Um, There's a lot was, of those, weren't there? <laughs> yeah, there was. Yeah. So we all, it was just three of us and we all hung out together. And then one of the guys was, um, he was single. So he's like, hey, um, next week we're giving the we have to give pt tests for the folks getting their phase so i was mm -hmm. like so and he's like um if you get this chick i need you to help her pass so she can get her phase 
So I'm like, um, all right, whatever. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatever, man. I don't, I don't care. So we get over there and she had already, you know, you, you fail. She had failed her push-ups or her sit-ups or something like that, but it was only by a couple. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really care. You yeah. know, as long as you got good form, I'll, I'll give it to you. So she gets in my line. Yeah. And he, I guess he had told her to get in my line. You know, everybody else was like taking notes at the run or taking times down for the run. And I'm doing sit-ups mm-hmm. and push-ups. So she gets in my line and she starts to struggle I think she only needed like 32 sit-ups or something like that. And she starts to struggle like right around 20. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's got like 40 seconds left and she ain't going to make it. So I'm looking over at him, (laughs) looking back at me. I'm like, all right. So I'm telling her like, just get up a few more times and and down. Just push. Try to get up a few more times and then go down. Just, Just do something. So... Yep. With like 10 seconds left, I'm like, just fall back. And I'm going to yell out a number. <laughs> so she falls back and I'm like, 34. Okay, cool. 34. And she had, be- I mean, the other guy that was down the way that was in our group had given her push-ups. So now all she has to do is make the run. We can't help mm-hmm. her with that. So, can't do nothing with nah, that. <laughs> so he he tells her like, you, you got to make this run. Uh, cause they, you know, I, I'm like, you, he's talking to IET soldiers. I'm like, bro, you're a reclass. We we were told not to do this. It's like, oh man, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's all good. Don't worry about it. We, you know, um, you know, she, they're going to meet us up down at Panama city. If she gets her phase. Okay. Whatever. So okay. she is struggling. Like <laughs> on the, she's, she's on the second mile coming through. And I mean, she, I, I guess she's dying and she has like, she has 10 seconds to make it. Mm-hmm. So, um, two of the girls that she was in class with had already made it. So they, they knew she wasn't going to make it. So they went back and they're yelling at her to go. She made about one second. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, she was gosh. all excited, you know, God, I got my faith. Well, so, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I, I mean, I remember going down to Panama city, uh, to hang out, but I was not going to hang out with, with IET soldiers. I, you know, I just wasn't. Yeah. And this dude is like following them around. <laughs> so I'm like, look. <laughs> Fresh meat. <laughs> yeah, he's following them around. Every time we saw him, they're, you know, he they can't drink because they're too young. So he's yeah. trying to like we had a hotel room where um my room was like two down, and then they had we all pitched in for uh two side by side rooms with the adjoining door. And one, we just filled mm-hmm. the bathtub up with ice and beer and little shooters and stuff like that. And the other room was just where, you know, we're playing cards and dominoes and chilling. Uh, yeah. And it, you know, it's just dudes. We're, we're all, you know, we, we're tired. We've been around drill sergeants. We, you know, we've been in the military. It's just, we're on leave now. Just, I don't want to deal with nobody. And this dude comes in yeah. here with like three freaking, three 19 year old girls that are, IT and they're just being 19 year old girls and we're sitting here like what yep. is happening what the heck are you doing yeah and he's like 30 gosh yeah so i mean that was probably my my first experience but after that i just my my wife came out i didn't really hang out with anybody and yeah. um i was like yeah i ain't doing that again so we would just you know go down to to florida as a family but i just thought that was cool yeah. I, like 
when I got there, I didn't, I didn't know. I'm like, oh, this is gonna suck for the next few months. I'm in the middle of Alabama. <laughs> I'm in Alabama. Alabama. All you I got hear a is shop bad things about Alabama. Piggly Wiggly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's flying roaches and alligators and all kinds of nasty shit. I don't want to be here. And then they told me that Great. Florida was not far away. So I was like, okay, cool. Yep. I can deal with that. The beach is close. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's enough about me, man. This is about you. <laughs> um, so you you, you know, AIT. You go to airborne school, come yep. back to Rucker. Um, come back to Rucker, my first duty station. What are you thinking as soon as you check in there, like for actual work? No more training. So I, I didn't know. I didn't really know what to think. I, I mean, so like we uh, we found out very early in, in AIT, like week two or three, something like that in AIT, that my, uh, my wife was pregnant. Uh, so I had, had those things on my mind. Uh, so we're just pregnant with our first kid and we didn't know what on earth was going on. What was great about AIT was, you know, every weekend she'd come down and pick me up. We'd go home or we'd go, like, I think the first week that I had free, we went down to Panama City uh, with some friends and stuff. And that was just after she, uh, she told me she was pregnant. Um, so, uh, so when we get to, when we get to, uh, when we get to Rucker, it was where am I going to live? Uh, I've got a baby on the way. <laughs> I got to make sure everything's everything's good there. Uh, and uh, we get settled in Ozark, um, and uh, everything's going everything's going great. And then uh, September 11th hits. Yeah, um, and you were at Rucker. I thought it was 11th. I was at Rucker September 11th. Uh, I was actually on shift wow. whenever it happened. So, and now what's what's going on there? Because I, I mean, the, now you're in, you're not in training, and you're at Rucker, and you're the first person that I've talked to that was at Rucker. Um, yeah. When 9/11 happened, so what's going on at Fort Rucker at that time? Yeah, so uh, we're up in the tower, um, and I'm working working flight data. At that point, uh, anybody that doesn't that listen to this doesn't know what that is. It's you're you're basically tracking all of the aircraft, and you're and you're getting all the calls from from everyone. And um, and I get this call, and it's Bob Price. Uh, he was he was over all the training at, uh, at Fort Rucker for the for all the uh, all the uh, aircraft training, right? And he tells me to get all of the uh, all of the aircraft together. Uh, Tell them to get their IPs on board and uh, and to fly back to Cairns. And I'm like, okay, cool, sounds good. And at this point, we don't know what the heck's going on, right? So I turn around and tell the IP that's back there. I'm like, hey, uh, it's Mr. Price. He said to get all the uh, get all the the IPs together um, and get all the. Oh, it was the TSO. I said IP. My bad. TSO. The TSO was back there. I told him hey, that was Mr. Price said. To, Get all the IPs on the air, on their aircraft with their pilot, with their students, and uh, get back to Cairns. And uh, he gets pissed. This this TSO, the training safety officer, right? He he gets pissed, and it's like, what? I'm in charge out here, and who said that? I was like, it was Mr. Price. He he just called. It's Bob Bryce. He's like, what? 
let me make a call real quick. So he makes a call back to freaking <laughs> to Mr. Price. It was it was so funny. I remember like looking at this guy's face. He's he's like, what? Really? Okay. I'll get it done. Hangs up the phone and he's he just kind of like looks up. He's like, We are under attack. I was like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> so, like I said, we didn't know anything what was going on. We were just working yeah. and, uh, you know, controlling traffic and stuff. Uh, so, he's like, we're under attack. And he calls down and gets all the IPs to meet their students and, and whatnot. And um, our max density was 18 aircraft. We had we had aircraft that were flight following out there. It was Lucas Stagefield uh, at the time. I think it went to identifier ten Charlie, um, and we uh, <laughs> I had to I had to organize these aircraft up, get them up on the uh, come up with a plan, get them all on the uh, on the on the ground, and then we lined them all up. Uh, the ones that were working at the stage field, the eighteen that were working at the stage field, because we were max density all the time. And and the ones like following, I think it wound up being like right at thirty aircraft that were there, and uh, we we took them off at a, as a flight of thirty from Lucas Stagefield to Cairns Army Airfield. It was that the craziest moment. It was. Did you get a picture crazy. of that? It was, well, I was like, no, heck, I didn't get a picture of it. <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> we didn't have iPhones back then. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it was, uh, and then uh, so we we did that, and then we found out what all was really happening, and uh, we we get a call from the company. They said to lock the gates at the stage field and hunker down. So we locked the gates at the stage field, hunker down, waiting on the call to to come back to come back to base, and uh, and they uh, we just sat out there. I, I wound up calling Terrell and saying, Hey, what is going on out there? I, I don't know what's happening. And then the, the crash guys came up and she didn't know what was going on. She didn't know anything. She was asleep. And, uh, and, um, crash guys come up and says, there's, there's a, there's a, an airplane that hit the world trade center. I'm like, Oh, no kidding. Oh, well, there's a second airplane to hit the world trade center. We're probably under attack. Oh, there's a plane to hit the, uh, there's a plane to hit the Pentagon. And like, what the heck is going on? And, you know, like the first one, you're thinking, you're thinking like a little Cessna or something like this. It's happened before. Right. But, uh, but you didn't, you didn't know what, what the heck it was. I wound up, my phone started ringing off the hook and, uh, people asking me if I'm all right. I'm like, I'm in Alabama, man. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not in New York. If somebody attacks us down here, the shit has officially hit the fan. It's really hit the fan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you probably wouldn't be talking to me right now, asking me if I'm all right. And, uh, and they're like, "Are you gonna? Are you gonna have to do something? Are you gotta go somewhere?" I, I, I don't know. We, we don't know. <laughs> Come on. Just because I'm in the army doesn't mean that I I know everything that's going right. on. And we're just waiting around, just like you. And it was it was kind of funny. We um we uh we finally get the call, and we got. We got stuck at the airfield for I don't know how long. Um, we got stuck there for probably I say probably five hours or something like that. Maybe maybe like six. I don't know. And then we get the word 
to drive back to post. Don't stop anywhere. Drive back to post directly to uh, directly to the company. Nowhere else. Okay. So we we go back to the company, and we're all just sitting there in in like the in the little room there. The 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 it's not really even day room. It's not really a you know. It's just like the common the common room where they did all the trainings and stuff. And uh, and then they're like, hey, we uh, we don't know what all is going on. We're staying here until everything's everything's done. I'm like, I've got a pregnant wife sitting at home, scared to death, don't know what's going on. And, uh, and she was, she was, you know, good and pregnant at that point. And, uh, so we're trying to figure out everything. And, um, then like NCOs, some of the older NCOs comes in like, oh, you get ready guys, get ready. This is what we do this for. We're probably going to war. And uh, I kid you not, we have one of them. Uh, whenever they finally gave the okay to release us, they said to go home. Don't go anywhere else. Wait, uh, wait with your phones, and uh, wait on a call for further information. And uh, get all of you. It's funny. They're like, get all your TA fifty, get all your TA fifty, and get ready. You might get the call. Well, our TA fifty was. A pistol belt and sunglasses. So it's like, what am I? I'm ready to go. Pistol belt and some sunglasses. I'm Let's ready to go. And uh, so you know that was uh, that was kind of a funny a funny experience. Yeah, yeah was, I'm ready to go on high. trash detail. <laughs> right, exactly. What am I going to go do? I'm going to go clean up some stuff. Maybe I'm just going <laughs> to be in somebody's way. And uh, and like they were like, we might you might get a call to go up to New York and help clean up and this, that, and the other. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I have a pregnant wife there at home and she doesn't want me to go to New York. Right. <laughs> you know, she's she's going she gonna to pop. And I'm like, well, hey, I joined the army. This is what we got to, that's what I got to do. That's what I got to do. <laughs> um, and uh, it was, it was quite, uh, it's quite a, an odd time because I think it was, what, two weeks before we went back to work? Yeah. I was was on QRF, so I don't really, everything was a blur. I don't really remember. I just know I didn't, I hadn't gone home for a couple of days and I finally get off post, get some sleep. And then they, you know, of course you got to report at normal formation, but they only have one gate open and they didn't plan this properly. So the, the line to get in was like, yeah, it was probably 15 miles long. Because it was just you. Uh, I was at Fort Campbell. At they, the time. they, so they the same same at Rucker, and it was. Uh, and I live in Ozark, so going to the Ozark Gate, it was it was odd, and they were open posts, you know. And then whenever whenever this happened, shut everything down. Yeah, and uh, and like everybody's trying to go through there, turning people away. They're freaking no, you ain't going nowhere, nowhere near this post, and and. Uh, and they didn't have any any kind of uh, any kind of gate guards or anything, so like it 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 was all new to everybody. Yeah. Um. So it was uh, it was quite uh, it was it was quite hectic trying to get on base. Whenever they, we finally got the call to come back to uh, come back to work, uh, I remember I sat in I sat in traffic for about three hours trying to get back to post and uh, and. 
And I'm like, hey, I had to sit in I had to sit in traffic for three hours. I don't know what y'all are expecting of me. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's by the time that I get here, it's time to go. You know. Yeah. So it, uh, and and we weren't we weren't working out of the out of the stage fields anymore, right? And I was like, I was like, if you want me to work out, if you want us to work out of the stage fields, I'll just drive to the stage field. It was just going to be easier. I'd have to drive around posts and then go to the stage field. Um, they didn't want that either. So it was, it was just an odd time, really odd time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, always, whenever I, I revisit it, I always just think about where I was at that point. And it was, you're right. It was an odd time. I mean, 23 years ago, well, going on 23, it, that, yeah. it was extremely crazy. Um, how long did you stay at Fort Rucker this time? Uh, so that time I was at Rucker for, let's see, I stayed there. Um, I was there 2001 to 2004, I want to say. So I was there for about three years, maybe a little under. Yeah. And then where'd you go? And then I went to Korea. Yeah. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> and then that's where that's where you and I linked up. And I wasn't there very long. That's where we hooked it. Yeah, I wasn't there very long, but I I mean I was there long enough to be able to work with you and know that you were probably one of the more squared away soldiers that I had worked with to that point. And I thought, man, this dude is gonna he's he's killing it. And I'm not just blowing smoke. Like I don't I don't usually say those things. Um you know, I, I keep it real. If if there's a guy that was a piece of crap, not necessarily a piece of crap, but even it, well, let me just say it straight. If you're a piece of crap, I'm going to tell you you're a piece of crap. But uh, yeah. most soldiers that you run into are just kind of right in the middle. You know, they do just enough yeah. to make shit work and and then they go home. Um, but yeah. and and maybe it was, you know, you, you, you had a new baby. Um, you were a little bit older when you went to basic and AIT. Uh, so that's probably, you know, why you were a little bit more squared away. You had some, some experience before you joined. Um, and I I think the thing with me, like my work ethic was always, my work ethic was always high. Um, I just been, been who I am and my experiences and everything. I always thought that work ethic was one of the more, more important things. And, and at that point in time, I, I, I knew that I was getting out of the military. And uh, I'm like, I'm I'm getting out of the military. Is five year military leave of absence from from Walmart? Come on, I'm gonna go back and make tons of money sitting there, and then try to get a air traffic control job. Yeah. And uh, and then so that was when that was kind of my thing. But uh, people people that had the same the same career mindset like I did, they they would often they would often just kind of shy away from from the army and and their responsibilities and they're like i don't care any any at all i'm i'm just i'm just here until it's time to go yeah and uh and that was never my mentality i'm uh, and i would tell soldiers later on uh you may think you're getting out of the army right now um but treat it always treat it like you're not right always give it 110 percent and and everything that you do and it's going to it's going to benefit you if you decide to stay and it's going to benefit you if you decide to get out because you get that work ethic down and, and you, you're going to, 
you're going to work harder. You're going to achieve more. You're going to you're going to have a higher level of success. You're going to have you're going to have quicker promotions. You're going to have you know those opportunities. Uh, you're going to be given more opportunities because of of your work ethic. And that's kind of what my suggestion was always to him. So yeah, well, I mean, it definitely showed when you were you know when you were E three E four. Um, because I had you when you were in E four, right? I, I yeah, I was there as an I was there as I was there as an E four, um, and I was uh, working on the working on the tech team. Well, I started yeah. out on the seven alpha, and then got moved to the tech team because uh, JK wanted to move me. Yeah, to, to we had a hell of a squad, like, man. God, uh, it was great with him, me, you. Um, who else was with us? Johnson. Uh, yeah, Johnson was out there. Yeah, God, I we, love Johnson. We, we had I a hell of a squad. beat up him. <laughs> <laughs> we we had a hell of a squad, man. Um, but you know, and, and it was it was just that set. I mean, I already was pretty much a solid troop. I had got in trouble early on, but I knew what I needed to do from that point on. And JK was um he was kind of that guy when I needed that that push, he yeah. he gave it to me um and and springboarded me again for moving forward. So when I got back to the States, I was I was rock solid, ready to ready to go as a leader. Just from that, I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to go forward. I would, I would piss everybody off because I was like, uh, I'm not staying in the military. Uh, I'm gonna bust my ass for you, but like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not staying in the military. So it's like, what am I, you know, what am I gonna do for me to get me to that next level or whatnot? I'm gonna bust, like I said, I'm gonna bust my tail. But I, uh, I would have points and never turn points in. I would, uh, I was, I was that guy. I would, I would miss the dog on, I'd miss the cutoff by like 20. And, uh, I'm like, and you're just sitting on him, just sitting on him, just sitting Jesus on him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, um, uh, so I would like, I'd piss Sergeant Major Rosario. He would get so damn mad at me. <laughs> and then, and then, oh, uh, Sergeant Major, uh, what's his name? Oh, there's one after Rosario. Uh, gosh, can't remember his name. He would get so mad at me too, because like it's like, why are you just sitting on the points? Why are you just get out here and get promoted? We need you. JK get mad at me too. All right, whatever. <laughs> but uh are you two country motherfuckers arguing. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Do you, so do you remember my going away? Um oh man. What happened at your going away? So <laughs> it's, I'm getting ready. I, I, I'm short. You know, I know that I'm, I got time to go and I'm kind of, I'm not really checked out, but I'm thinking about what I need to do when I get back to the States. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I had a baby. She, well, she wasn't really a baby. I think she was three by then, three or four. Uh, you know, I just want to get home to my wife and my daughter. And I remember... I'm wondering, like, why in the world am I am I even in the motor pool doing anything? But because I'm, you know, I'm still a soldier. I, I need to I need to check that attitude and go do what I got to do. So Johnson and I are goofing off, and we're backing up in L- LMTV, and the doors open, and step on the gas, and the door hits another LMTV and falls off. <laughs> yeah and i'm i got oh, like man. i have two weeks to go i don't need this 
<laughs> so now I got to go tell JK what happened. And I'm sitting here like, oh, I'm dreading it because I already know he, he's going to give me shit. Um, mm -hmm. So I picked the door up and I'm trying to figure out how to put it back on. <laughs> I'm like, because it just <laughs> fell off too easy. There's something, there's got to be a way. You know, you, you can take the Humvee doors off. I never really, you yeah. know, you just drive the LMTV. I don't think about it. Um, so finally I have to go and tell him. He comes out and he sees the door on the, like leaned up against the tire. He's like, what the fuck did you do? I was like, you know, I explained to him the story and he just dies laughing. I mean, just, he's like, <laughs> just go to the barracks, man. I'm going to deal with this. So I don't know what he did. He figured out something to where, um, you know, it was, I, I don't know. It it just wasn't an issue. Um, they got a new LMTV door ordered and it got put on. Well, am I going away? This asshole. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what he was doing. He had the door like off in the corner. So you, at where I'm at, you can't really see it. And I think we were, we were in the bill or something drinking mm. and he he has Johnson and um, I think Ortiz bring the door out. The whole platoon had signed the damn door. <laughs> yes, yes, it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so oh, I'm great. like, I can't take this door back to the states with me. But so I guess it's somewhere at Camp Humphreys, just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was oh, like, man, that's, that's the craziest thing. Like, I don't need this, man. And he still, even when I talk to him now, he'll talk to me about this damn LMTV door. <laughs> but yeah, wild man. times, man. Oh man, it was some, some good times there. It was so much, it was, it was tons of fun. We, uh, we, the tag team, we, we got sent up to K-16 and uh, we wound up being up there for about a year. And uh, they wanted us close up there so we were rapid deploying if you if you rapid deploying yeah uh so this is two hours north. um yeah pretty much and then uh and then the next thing i know uh oh uh colonel goodsmith over there yeah he, uh, he this dude he he wound up like loving things that i did and um for some reason for some reason <laughs> and uh right and uh and then uh, so like I'd be like the person he'd call, and he was, he was like I was his, I was his pet project, wanting them, want me to retire. I mean not retire, want me to reclap, I mean, you know, re up and stuff. Excuse me. Uh, and uh, I was like, uh, no, I'm getting out. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm done. And uh, and you know, the wife and I had you know troubles from like being away, uh, being away from each other, and and then people in ears and. And then being dumb kids, basically, and uh, uh, and then we uh, decided to work everything out, whatnot. And uh, I tell uh, so I told Colonel Smith the next time he asked me, he's like, "Hey, uh, you gonna reclass today?" I'm like, "Tell you what, you get me Hawaii, and I'll reclass." And uh, he's like, "You got it, you got it." I'm, I'll make some phone calls. And no kidding, he he calls me directly. He the, the commander used to get so mad because Colonel Smith would call me directly. I'm like, okay. Colonel so Smith would call me and be like, yeah, you, I got you. I got you. I got you. Hawaii. He, he called me like, I, I want to say it was, it was just a couple hours later. Wow. <laughs> Lucky and, ass. uh, I was like, all right, I'll, uh, hold on to it. Let me think about it again. Just make double sure. 
make double sure. He's like, you said, so you better, re- you better, you better re up. You better re up. All right. <laughs> Talked to the wife and we decided it was the best, one of the best things for us. And, uh, and I, uh, I reenlisted and we went to Hawaii. That's awesome, man. Now, how long were you guys in Hawaii? Uh, a wait, 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 wait. You went from Korea to Hawaii? I went from Korea to Hawaii. Okay. I went to uh, Oconus to Oconus. That's crazy. And uh, it was uh, it was supposedly really tough to do that. And uh, as a matter of fact, but like they were like, they they gave me a, uh, whenever I told them that I wanted Hawaii, the, they were like, we can't, we can't do Hawaii. We can't do Hawaii. Uh, talking about the, you know, retention yeah. yeah retention they uh they're like uh we can't do hawaii we can we can send you to uh we can send you to honduras i'm like oh honduras would be nice but it's dependent restricted as yeah. well i'm not going i'm not going from two years of dependent restricted to another dependent restricted no that's not happening um, I would love to go to Honduras. Honduras would have been fantastic. Well, you could, but it, yeah, it's dependent restricted, and you wouldn't have orders for them. But you could have moved them down there on the economy. Yeah, I, I could have moved them down there on the economy. But I mean, what did I really know? I was in the army for like four oh, years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> so I was like, and but I, uh, I wound up, uh, I wound up getting getting Hawaii and. Uh, I, I I had already completed all of my ACAP. Completed all of my ACAP. I was a month out from <laughs> leaving, and uh, and I reenlisted for Hawaii. And how long was this reenlistment for? Was it the six? It was a. Uh, it was a. It was a. A three year reenlistment. I think is what it is. I had to. I had to give them. Okay. Um. And then uh, went to Hawaii, and. Uh, we deployed within the first year of me, me being there and got downrange, saw the, the bonuses and dollar signs and reenlisted again. Yeah, buddy. And did another, another two years, I think is what it was that I did. And, uh, and at that point I was like, I'm going to be in forever. I reenlisted more times than anybody. And I'm telling you, it seemed like, it. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I was, I was nickel and diming it. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm just going. This is like going to the gas station, and I'm gonna put seven dollars on pump three <laughs> and make right. it to the next right. gas station. All right, I'm gonna put four dollars on of, pump that's eight. That's kind of the way I was thinking about it. I was like, I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to, you know, do this. But we, uh, I yeah, I, re- I reenlisted downrange. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably gonna be in the army forever now. But <laughs> but I wasn't gonna let them know that, and I, I kept it going. I re. My last reenlistment, I was a sergeant first class already. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Managed that. I'm one of those that managed that. Yeah, I was gonna say now it, that's <laughs> supposed to be in def, right? Yeah, it was it was in def at that at that point. But uh but I uh I was already a sergeant first class and and what uh I reenlisted at eleven years. That's crazy. From my, my again, last time. Again, that's what I'm I'm telling you. Like when you I I knew when we were in Korea, man, and I, like I said, I only had you in the squad for maybe, maybe three months. I knew, yeah. I knew you were going to be, you were a high speed soldier then. Um, so it was, it was no, no surprise. You, you know, you make 
E7 in under 12. It's no no surprise at all. Um, from now, from Hawaii, where'd you go? I went back to uh, I went back to Rucker. So while I was uh, while I was deployed, um, my uh, my stepdad he uh, he got sick, um, and he was it's kind of it's kind of odd, you know, life lifelong smoker, and uh, and he was he was trying to quit smoking so they could be healthier, and uh, and then they were going to fly out to Hawaii and and visit us. Uh, well. He started. Uh, he started having some issues, and uh, went in and and uh, and they're like, "Oh, hey, you need a you need a lung transplant." Yeah. So uh, so they, uh, you know, we started going down that road. He had to be on. Uh, he had to be on oxygen, and uh, and whatnot. Uh, it was never. It was never like cancer or whatnot from everything that I understood. Uh, like probably like a CLD. Uh, what is it called? The CL the CO, CLPD. CLPD. Yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, probably some of that and uh, and whatnot. Um, but we, uh, um, so we, we were like trying to figure out, you know, what the heck to do. Uh, after after I got back from my deployment, we wound up getting um, wound up. Uh, I, I must have I must have good sperm because when I'm away. It hits hard. Apparently, it's like uh, the day of the day of. I had to had to impregnate my wife again, and uh, found out like fifteen days later she was pregnant. Jeez, <laughs> goodness, yeah. My swimmers are good when I'm gone for a minute. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, um, so with that in mind, and then uh, uh, we were like, okay what's the timing of this? Uh, we didn't know how much longer he had left to live. We thought it was still going to be, you know, quite a bit, but, um, uh, started looking at things and trying to, trying to get back to Rucker, um, so that he could, he could see, uh, he could see Izzy when she was born. And, uh, um, I'm like the only guy ever, I think that has, Said, "Hey, um, Branch, uh, I need to go back to Rucker, and uh, this is this is why I want to leave Hawaii. Everybody else trying to stay in Hawaii. I'm like, I I, I gotta go, and uh, and naturally, they're like, oh yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll open Rucker, that slot sure. up. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, we'll open this slot up." Uh, so my next assignment was, uh, was Rucker. I, it's, I joke about it all the time that I, uh, I spent, I spent maybe 10 months of three years in Hawaii. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, just all the training, all the, uh, and then the deployment turned into a 15 month deployment. Um, so it was one of the first 15 month deployments. Yeah, that's wild. And uh, yeah, I mean that. I'm trying to think. Yeah, ours was ours. Ours were 15 months. It was just. I mean, you know, being a controller, it's there is no end date. It's that until mission complete or whatever. Um, UMC yeah. on your uh, on your orders, but for us it was a little bit different too because we can't leave that airspace until everybody signed off. 
Um, yeah. Well, we uh, so we had a we had a really good a really good team that I had, I had in Iraq, and uh, we had a contingency team to help like transition, uh, stay there a little bit longer. Um, I offered to be on that team. They're like, no, you're you're married, so we want somebody single to 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 try to do that. And yeah. um, okay, whatever. Um, but the uh, you know, it was uh, it was it was interesting. So like, we were supposed to be there for a year, and then we got uh, we got notification that we were going to go home early, and it was going to end up being a nine month uh, deployment. And uh, we're like, whoa, really? This is awesome! Like, like, the news went the news went everywhere about it, and uh, and we were to the point where we had actually packed up connexes to uh, to go back home. Like we had we had already packed up stuff, and then uh, and then just to have the news broke. Hey, you're not going. We're not going anywhere. It just got turned into uh, 15 months. So you need to unpack everything and and re-inventory. And uh, like, you've got to be kidding me. I don't know how many times on that deployment we packed and unpacked connexes. Oh my goodness. Um, but it was a it was a it was a good time. So like we, you know, it was it was nowhere near as bad as it could have been for sure. Uh and and we got when we first got there, it was there was there was a lot, we were getting hit quite a lot um and uh so you didn't you, you never knew what was going to happen and and then they 25th just took over over there and and we we went up getting hit you know a couple of times a day to getting hit like maybe once a month yeah to it not really happening at all and, and where were you uh, I, I was in charge of spiker tower on Spiker okay. Airfield to crit. Yeah. Um, so that was uh that was a good time. It was a really good time. Yeah, it, I was uh down at Washington, mm-hmm. the the heliport. And yeah. so we we would circulate between Washington and Taji. And I we had um we had to crit. We had Spiker. We had uh, uh, was it a Warhorse and uh, Talifar. Okay. Damn, you guys were just in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it was like all over the place. Yeah, I try. I traveled all over that country, though. It, it seems like uh, uh, just doing different things. I, I we did a. Uh, we helped integrate, uh, come up with all the all the plans and stuff. That it was me and and uh, Ben minus. We uh, we went out to uh, went out to meet up with Air Force and and we helped integrate uh, UAS, uh, so UAV systems at point at that time UAS now. Um, uh, so we kind of we kind of broke the the SOP for for that in uh, in in theater. Wait a minute, Sergeant so, Minus. What he was an instructor at Rucker, wasn't he? I know him and his wife uh, were both instructors. Did they? Did they do instructors? They might have. They might have so. at one point. They have, I think. I think they uh, did. I can't remember if they did or not. They they weren't instructors while I was there. I don't believe. But. No, they probably got out of. But I remember his wife was in my um, 
in my simulator, my tower simulator. She was yeah. an instructor for my tower simulator class. Yeah. Yeah. But um Ben and Amy. Yep. Um, so get back to Rucker. And how at this time at Rucker, how long were you there? Uh so this time I was at Rucker for it was actually it seemed like a, a pretty good bit. Another probably what three years almost. Um I left there in 2010. So I was actually there probably a little shy of, of three years. Um I left in December of 2010. Uh and I got in there in what February, March time frame of 2008, I think is what it was. Okay. And then uh, we had to we had to fly early because of because of the wife's pregnancy and couldn't fly too late. Yeah. So so from there, where'd you go? Um, went back to Korea. Yeah, I got <laughs> caught. I got caught on that uh, that that uh, Rucker Korea uh, kick. And, back to Humphreys. Uh, and went back to Humphreys. Um, and at this point, they're they're trying to make all the moves to move everything south and uh, and uh, get rid of the uh, the northern area. So we had Guardian. Guardian was at K sixteen still. Uh, and then we we operated the um, uh, the small tower there in uh, at Yongsan, um, but it, it wasn't like we had a, a real presence up there. Yeah, um, it was just a small one, like within the garrison there. Okay, so back to good old Korea, and then back and to Rucker. Uh, I uh, so after. Uh, after at Korea, we uh, well, I I got uh, command sponsorship, so wound up staying there. I did command sponsorship and the uh, the uh, assignment incentive uh, plan, and stayed there for three years. Wow! Yep. How the family liked and, it there? Uh, they uh, they actually they really liked it. We uh, we just, well, the wife really liked it. Uh, kids were kind of indifferent. Dylan. Naturally, he was like, uh, he's like, oh, everything stinks. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, whatever. Uh, but uh, but uh, second time in, in Korea was, uh, it was, it was a lot different. Um, I was, you know, I was sergeant first class already. And, uh, and so many things were, you know, the, the mentality has to change whenever you go there and yeah. uh this time and then uh but still had had an absolute blast i i love korea i would i'd go back in heartbeat um as a matter of fact we we're talking about like taking a vacation going down there and just just seeing everything yeah again. That, i definitely and, uh, want to go back to camp Humphreys and it was wander it was, around it was so nice there it was just it was kind of a you know it was it's kind of odd like a lot of people were like all right heck with korea i thought it was fun there and but like i was it was different though. We we would we would do a lot of the Korean culture and things and get out from around the uh, from around post. Yeah. Um. So. And I mean, in this one thing, because um, while I was there before you got there, um, I think my daughter was three years old, almost four years old at that point. They had come over uh, and spent a month with me there, and I took a month leave, and they flew over, and we just bounced around the peninsula for a month. Um, and, and that was, that was awesome. It, it, 
kind of lightened it, made, you know, made the being in another country just that much lighter when you could share yeah. that experience with your family. Well, uh, like and so many people go to Korea and they they don't get out and experience the culture. It is on base and then the bill. And then we go up to yeah, we go up to uh, to Seoul for a little bit and yeah. check out what's up there. But you know, get and out and done. experience the culture and 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 your and it's there's so much more to that country than than what soldiers normally see. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like when you get there, you're kind of indoctrinated to just go party. One thing that I I, I don't you didn't have to experience this because you went after 9-11, but I was there in 98. My my first time there, and I can remember um, how nobody wanted to go to Korea at that point. Before nine eleven, nobody yeah. wanted to go to Korea. And then after nine eleven, when when Iraq and Afghanistan deployments rotation started to come about, yeah. everybody wanted to go to Korea at that point. And it's well, like uh, we had a we had a sergeant major um, that no, his sergeant first sergeant first sergeant Pace. That was his name, Pace. He would every every day that we had a formation with him, he would come out there and say, "Boy, it's a great day to be in the army in the Republic of Korea because <laughs> you ain't got to be out there breaking the breaking your back doing the hump out in the desert." It's like, oh man, it was. <laughs> The guy was like, he was a walking, uh, he was a walking advertisement for staying in Korea. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I, I just going back there when I did, um, you saw the difference. Here's the funny thing. So my first trip there, I can remember, um, you, you see girls like you, cause I mean, you see everybody all the time. You go to the PX, you go to the dining facility, you're walking around the ville. It doesn't matter what unit they're in. After, if you've been there for long enough, you're going to see these people over and over, and you're going to know where they're from. Yeah. And yeah. I can remember there was like three or four girls that used to come to the basketball games, and then all of a sudden they just weren't out anymore. And then you see them, and they're yeah. they're getting getting ready to leave. They're pregnant now, and this is like yeah. month five that they're leaving. And then you know they had like big pregnant. And they have the baby and you see him like, I'm a month out <laughs> and here they come, coming back. to <laughs> Now, you know, you, you were halfway done. You got pregnant so you could leave. You got the baby. They, you got to get your family, your family readiness plan. And now you're coming back and you got to do an entire year. So instead of just doing 12 months, you're doing 18. Yep. All because yep. you, you want to try to get out of the, the tour. And yeah. it, it's wild, man. And that was something that uh, one guy that I, I would um, hang with when I was in the cab would tell me like, cause he was command sponsor. He had, had been there for two and a half years at that point when I got there okay. and he was just telling me, he was like, yeah, I see it all the time, man. They, they get pregnant cause they don't want to be here. And then they come right back. <laughs> and now you got to do extra time you could have just did 12 months and left. It's kind of funny though. Like the, you see a lot of, you saw a lot of that on my, on my first trip to Korea, but the second trip, the second trip was so much so much different. It was so different. Uh, things had changed like a lot uh, on the second trip, and uh, and being there for some of that change was was really kind of kind of crazy. Um, you know, uh, 
You remember the Enterprise Hotel? I think is what it was, right? They yep. they demolished it while I was there. We were partying in there one day, and then the next thing you know, the whole the whole hotel had gone. It's like what? <laughs> and uh, and things things just you sure it didn't just so fall down. No, they they demolished it. They were like I I think that I think the owner was uh, you know pretty pretty well off, so he was he was going to redo it, and uh, and it was just but like. Just seeing the changes there and uh, and everything, it was just it became more of a destination, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, yeah, because at that point, nobody wanted to go to Iraq, and you knew that every single yeah. post that you went on didn't matter if it was Tradoc or or whatever. They're sending either individual soldiers or full yep. companies to Iraq or Afghanistan, and you, you know. The only escape is to go to Korea. You can't go to Germany. You can't go to yep. Hawaii. Um, Guam, Guam was closed, so it didn't matter. Yep. It didn't matter where you went if you if it wasn't Korea, you're going to Iraq or Afghanistan. So the safest bet is to try to get to Korea. And yeah. I just I thought it was funny it, to see that that flip. It was a, it was a I would tell you though, like it was a, it was a good time. Um, <laughs> so like it. Here's a here's a funny story, right? The uh had had a few few of the bars that I would go into. Um there's one I can't remember the owner's name, but uh it was a uh, it's called the biker bar. Like it wasn't called the biker bar, but people called it the biker bar. And uh, I used to go in there all the time. And um and you gotta be like, hey Tony, come on in. What you want? You want this, you want that? And like freaking great times, right? Uh, my wife got there and when she got there and, and got settled in, she decided to go out with the, go out with some of the girls and whatnot and, uh, and go out and party. And, and I didn't, I didn't go out as much as she thought I would fucking, I went out, you know? <laughs> so like, uh, so like I just, I stay, I stay at home with kids and this, that, and the other. And, uh, and she would go out. Next thing you know, when we had a chance to, to go out there, uh, I go, I go over there because that's my spot, and uh, and here she is, like she's done, she's done ruined my spot for me. I guess you could say <laughs> didn't really ruin it, but like she, you know, they're, they're like they loved her, absolutely loved her. Of course, of course, she's got boobs, right? <laughs> um, so so like you know they they forget my name, <laughs> but it was a God, it was such, it was. It was such a good experience having having the wife there with me, the wife and the kids with me, just letting them experience some different culture. Yeah, and uh, and and I mean, Izzy was in the paper. I don't know how many times. Just you know, cute little blonde headed girl freaking gets a she's doing something quirky, and they like the 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 Koreans. Whenever we get out on the on the economy, they they loved it. They loved it. They would eat it up. Oh, she's so cute. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Koreans like are funny. She's man. like a little. She's our little star. And she probably just she ate it up. She ate it up. She yeah. ate it up. Got on like my wife was getting onto her one day, and like you know, got onto her really good and whatnot. And there was an old Korean lady like came over there and picked her up. I was like, no, don't get onto her. <laughs> it's like, what is this? <laughs> Yeah, I think but, you know it's it's funny. I was scrolling through some pictures the other day, and the one thing that, that over the past ten years with the kids, you know, they got their IDs. So um, 
if we travel somewhere, the first thing they do is look on Google Maps to see if there's a base. So yeah. they wanted, you know, they want to go and check it out. So we were, I can't remember what Navy base we were close to, and they had never been on a Navy base. So they're like, oh, is it different than an Army base? I don't know. Let's go check it out. So we get on the base and they're just, yeah, I, I don't think that they understood. It's like, not, you know, none of your friends could just do this. Like yeah. you're just walking onto a U.S. military base. Like none of your friends could do this, you know? Yeah. And now they think about it and they're like, they, like they talk, they talk to their friends about it and they're just like, you know, they want to go. So Luke Air Force Base is pretty close it's on the other side of the valley from here. Mm-hmm. So the girls will go now they go, they think it's the coolest thing to be able to go shop at the PX. So my daughter will take yeah. her friends over to Luke and go to the PX and <laughs> just buy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, that was, like, you got to experience that, but I lived next to two air force bases and I never even imagined in going on yeah. to a base and go shopping. Never. Never thought about going on. No. It's like, why? Why? What's the point? Yeah. I don't want to go over there. That's <laughs> No, nah, I'm, I'm going to go to the mall. That's where the girls are. Right. All right. So now how, at, at this point, how, how long had you been in? Are we creeping up on retirement? Oh man. So, uh, so at that point I was, I was what year 11, 12, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13. So I did, uh, I did until I was, until 2013. And uh, so 13 years in the military, I left there. And uh, it's kind of funny. I was trying to find, uh, find out what's next. And um, I got, uh, I got Fort Bragg. And I was like, wow, okay, Fort Bragg, really? It's kind of odd. I'm not jumping anymore. I'm not able to jump anymore. Uh, what's a fires brigade? I don't. What is this? <laughs> and uh, so uh, I get Fort Bragg, and 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 I, uh, I try to figure out what's what all's around. And had a buddy that old old controller um, went OCS uh, Cortez Legrant. He uh, he was actually in 18th fires and. Uh, and I'm like, oh, hey! So I reached out to him, try to figure out what all, what all is what. He's like, yeah, man, you, you're probably gonna go. You're gonna go over there to the uh, to the headquarters and probably never deploy or anything like that. And uh, that's I'm like, shoot, all right, that's that's cool, whatever. I and uh, and then uh, we came we came here and and naturally the the uh, <laughs> the the commander kind of makes up a deployment for us to go. I'm like, oh, all right then, whatever. Uh, but it wound up being a, a really, a really cool mind opening, you know, eye opening uh, experience. So um, my orders weren't like uh, they were they were different this time, uh, if you will. I had NATO orders. And then, uh, and then, on top of that, orders to go for uh, for uh, the Operation Spartan Shield. Um, so we uh, we deployed 
I uh, went to Amman, Jordan. And, uh, and then from there, we did something that's called uh, TSC, uh, Theater Security Cooperation. And I became uh, kind of, because of my, my reputation and, and how, how hard I worked and, and the smarts and I guess you could say and everything else, I became so multifaceted. Um, we didn't have a, uh, an, uh, an aviation officer in the unit. And, uh, and because I knew so much about aviation and everything, I kind of, I kind of took, uh, took the place of the, of the BSO, BAO, excuse me, BAO or whatever it is, right? The Brigade Aviation Officer. Uh, I believe that's what it's called. Um, it's been a minute, <laughs> but uh, but it's it's typically a a, a major, an aviation major that uh, that's in charge of the the uh, the uh, air, air airspace and air defense team. So the C uh, the A two C two A C A C A two A C two now right. Um, so so the uh, we didn't have a, a BAO. And I wound up basically taking his role and, uh, and the, uh, the, uh, travel guy, like I, I, I got trained in, in, in how to, you know, do the DTS. So, uh, so I took the BAO's role in integrating airspace with fires and the travel role in like making sure that everybody got where they needed to be. And they they made me the TS the TSC NCO. Uh, so I became the theater security cooperation NCO and wound up uh, wound up getting a, a really good uh, really good position from there. Uh, so we would we travel around to different countries um, and uh, and hit hit all these hit all these different countries up and and basically have discussions with them about how we integrated uh, fires into the battlefield. And my part was integrating aviation and in with friendly fire. Um, and uh, so uh, that was, that was a really, really neat experience. Got to go to places I've never even heard of before. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just talk to talk to all all these other armies around the world um, that are are friendly that you wouldn't you wouldn't even begin to think of, um, and we would have what we would call we would call summits, yeah. uh, fire summits. Um, we couldn't call them trainings because we couldn't say that we were training them on anything uh, because this is a NATO mission, if you will, um, and uh, so that was our thing and then uh secondary to the nato mission was if if shit hit the fan we were there to provide HIMAR uh HIMAR assistance in uh in the battlefield so one of the uh one of the interesting things about the about this was uh uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, we're having a bunch of the a bunch of the stuff going on in Syria, and uh, President Obama was like, "Hey, uh, 
we we don't have boots on the ground in Syria, and we're not going to have boots on the ground in Syria. And somebody's probably going to be like, "Oh, shut the heck up! I was in Syria." Yeah. So, you know, it it, it was. You see, I got to see a lot of the of the political side of of warfare. Um, and uh, and then so much of the behind the scenes integration with friendly nations. Yeah. Uh, that, that didn't, the average soldier doesn't get to see. It was, it was a great experience. So an absolutely great experience. I met, met Saudi princes. I freaking came out of there with, you know, uh, many friends in the, in the, in the Muslim world, Muslim communities and stuff like that, that, that were, that were, you know, just, trying to get by and do their thing and live their lives day to day and and see the great side of these countries and that you hear so many nasty things about and and you see a lot of the bad side too yeah and i'm sure we'll when we get into some of our other topics in the other segment that we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of those things and there are some things that we'll cover mm-hmm. offline too because we oh, just yeah. said um is and i mean yes i who knows if it's declassified or not right now, but um, no telling. Yeah, there, there's no there are the you mentioned the political side of this whole thing, and you you get into particular positions and you start to really really see, and you think back to when you were a young soldier and you're like, why do why are we doing this? What's happening here? Did, you know, I thought we resolved that, and then you you fast forward and you're yeah. like, oh okay, I see. Now yeah. I understand, you know, you, you, you're, you become a lot less critical of some of those decision makers and you realize yeah. where, where the control is and where the control is not. And it's, it's funny, you know, you mentioned it, you become less critical of a, a lot of the things that they do and say, but you also become even more critical uh, of, of some of the things they do and say, because uh, so I got put into into positions where I wound up driving around uh, a few big wigs and uh, talking to uh, talking to high level individuals, if you will. Um, the uh, uh, and getting to listen to some of their conversations and 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 then giving some input. Uh, it was. It was a very interesting time for me. You you get to see sides of of these large influential influential people like General Milley that uh, that you don't normally get to see. Right. Yeah, and you know, and they're and you realize that they're completely different when they're not on CNN, Fox News, C-SPAN. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're actual exactly. people. Um, you you get to see you get to see some a lot of the facades and then you get to see some of the some of their quirkiness and get to see some of uh some of their some of their you know uh, more of their faults yeah. and and then you get to see some of the better part of them as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm I won't say that I'm I'm jealous. I think that it's awesome that you got to experience that, especially. Um, when when it wasn't even your intention to join the military early on, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, being with, with your your mindset 
prior, you know, with the, the I'm anti-government, I'm this and that. And now you're high ranking, you know, military leader getting to see these things and changing your perspective, moving, moving you forward in, you know, yeah. um, I think that's awesome. Now, I want to get to uh, to some fun stuff. <laughs> wait, so wait, wait, wait. Let, okay. let me go back. You were um, what year did you retire? So I retired in uh, 2020, COVID year. Uh, not a good year to retire, uh, but I was, like I said, I was never in love with the army. Um, and that, that part stayed true my, my entire career. Um, but I love the people. Um, and I, you know, I, regardless of how much I loved or disloved, you know, disliked the army, uh, it was my job. It was my mission. Um, and I, uh, I have an, you know, immense sense of duty, uh, to, to the military and to the, and to the country. Um, I, uh, I still, still hate the politics. I, I really do. But like, uh, 2020 was a, a rough year to get out. Um, because of, you don't know what's, what all is going on. You have so many people that are telling you what goes on whenever you retire. And, uh, and then you, your 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 experiences were so vastly different, right? My VSO, uh, I I probably talked to the guy twice, and just worried about what when is this paperwork getting submitted? When are we getting the decision? Where you know about disability? Yeah, things like that. Classes that I could have gone to, I couldn't go to um, because of COVID. Um, People were not working in uh, in you know in the building, so like it was very rare to go in and do certain things. Um, and where were you at at this? So time? it was, I was here, I was here at Fort Bragg, oh, at Bragg Fort, yeah, Fort Liberty okay. now, yeah. yeah. And uh, and so I, I feel like I, I missed out on a lot of a lot of information, a lot of opportunities, and stuff like that. Um, but it was it was kind of great in a way because the the leaders that I had and I had always heard you know hey my my last year you go and you tell a sergeant major hey my last year I want it to be about me I want to have the time to do the things that I need to do to set myself up on the outside and and that's what I did I, I went and told a sergeant major I'm like hey look I uh, busted my tail for you for for four years as a uh, as a sark. And, uh, I, I want to, bu- I want to bust my tail my last year for me. I'm here for you if you need me. Absolutely. And he's like, okay, just help us find a replacement. And, uh, so I went through the interview process, finding replacements and giving my feedback on who I thought should be the replacement for me in the position and, uh, and found my replacement not once, but twice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, so it was, it wound up being a uh, a big deal. Like I, um, I was supposed to deploy at one point, and I was set to deploy, and then they found out that I had a, an issue with my neck. Um, and I'm like, okay, 
what what now do I need to not deploy am I non-deployable I don't know what's going on I kind of became non-deployable uh, so my replacement my first replacement uh, went on my behalf to uh, to deploy uh, and uh, so I could try to take care of me um, and then uh, after uh, after that happened uh, he got offered a job with uh, with core and so like he's where he's go he goes to work with 18th airborne core as a as a sark and uh i'm like I've, i have to find another replacement for me <laughs> so so uh so that was that was a bit of a bit of a headache and i found that replacement and sergeant major says all right hey you uh you know take care of what you need to take care of and just kind of stay in touch yeah so my last year was me taking care of what I needed to take care of. I'd come in whenever I needed to, but then, like I said, COVID hit, and nobody came in. And they're like, "No, you just stay. You stay a heck away." Yeah. So I never really thought about the uh, dynamics of being actually being on active duty during COVID. Like I, I never even thought about it was, that. It was odd. It was it was extremely odd. There were, you know, you only went in if something that was mission critical. Yeah. Um, and uh, me having already handed off my phone and everything to to uh, to my replacement, uh, I was not mission critical at all. Like I had no job whatsoever. Uh, were so, you guys in on post housing, or were you already off? We we're already off post. We had already okay. bought a house, and you know, a few years ahead. And um, so, like, it was uh, it was uh, it was kind of an odd really odd time for me because i i would call every couple of days hey you need something you need anything and they're like nope i'm like well uh none of these classes are going for uh for for me to try to get out of here do i need to report to somebody they're like no you do you i'm like okay cool <laughs> so i did i'm gonna go hang out and with this fan they they the only thing that they bugged me about was get my get my NCOR NCOR writ, written and get my uh, get my award written and uh you know I still haven't gotten that award <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> they uh, they asked me if I wanted to come in they they called me up uh and uh they said hey uh we're going to have an award ceremony and uh and the uh and we're going to have the um we're going to have the uh, retirement ceremony. Do you want to be a part of it? I was like, are you telling me that I need to be a part of it? And they're like, no, we're not telling you. It's up to you if you want to do it or not. I was like, well, I don't feel like shaving, so I'm not going to come in. <laughs> That's <laughs> that hilarious. Was, that was, no, no kidding. My response to, to the person. Can we do like, it virtually? Oh, okay. He's like, <laughs> he's like, okay, cool. So, so like, uh, they they kind of left it up to us since COVID was going on, if we if we wanted to or not. And I was like, no, nope, I'm good. See, and I, I and uh, I came in to uh, I came in, I, I I went in to clear, and then I had uh, I had because of because of deployments and and everything else, I had like seventy something. Oh, it was about eighty something days of leave that I had built up. Jeez. So. I mean, after, I mean, I was like, I was like done, done. That's crazy. Almost three full freaking months of 
terminally. Hey, whatever, yeah. <laughs> get paid. And the the heck of, the heck of it is, I uh, like the week after I uh, the week after I, I I told them no, I'm not coming in. Uh, I get a call from my doctor says, "Hey, we looked at looking at all your stuff. We need to do surgery." Like the next week, and I'm like, "Okay, sounds good." So I got uh, I had neck surgery 15 days prior to my actual retirement date. Wow. Yep. So uh, so I was like, so I called up the uh, I called up the I called up the organization. I'm like, "Hey, uh, look, I need to let y'all know that I'm having surgery finally." Like, oh, okay, that's that's good. Just keep us keep us abreast if you need anything or whatnot. And I was on leave already at this time. Um, and uh so if you need anything, you just let us know and uh let us know when everything's all said and done. Okay, cool. And uh and I had my surgery and fifteen days later I was no longer in the military. Ah, but that's awesome. Never went back in. The sad, the sad thing was, is that I had to shave for my for my surgery, so I might as well have done my freaking retirement ceremony. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's a, it's a win win for you. You didn't have to shave to go to the yeah, retirement to ceremony. The, didn't have to go put a uniform on and. And this surgery that. now is documented service connected. Service connected. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I mean, you had a heck of a journey. <laughs> It was uh, you know, it was a good time. Yeah, another unique career that I get to hear about. Um, I, I think, again, it's always the soldiers that I find um, that really weren't trying to be GI Joe. You know, didn't didn't play Call of Duty and want to go in or uh, spec ops and like, oh, I'm gonna go do that. Yeah, it's always the guys that are you know, it's just something. This is what I'm going to do now. And and I'm going to do as best I can. And you always exceed. I mean, I don't know if you exceeded your expectation, but I can't tell you enough how much I appreciated how hard you worked when, when we worked together. Um, it made things easier for me and I'm sure the rest of the squad and JK probably will tell you the same thing, man. Uh, one of the hardest yeah. working soldiers that I have been around. So um, I do. I appreciate you. And I'm glad that we still get to. Uh, oh, thank you. You know, we we still get to do things together moving forward, and that's one another reason why, when this thing, um, when you mentioned that this was something that you wanted to do, I didn't hesitate. I'm like, no, I know how hard this dude works. I know his passion. We're going to do this. Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I I love this, and I love that you you know included me in on this, and uh, and I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, if it goes nowhere, it's just a, it's a blast catching up with you for sure. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's something wonderful. I, like I said before, it's, it's important to have, uh, people like this in, in your life, uh, don't have to agree with or, or whatever on any kind of regular basis on, on everything or anything like that. But like having that come you know, that commonality, something, something common to, to, uh, talk about and then spur on to other things and break ideas off each other. And, uh, and it's, it's great for our mental health. And that's something that it's been a, a big positive for me. I look forward to this every week. Yeah. Same. I mean, you know, like I said, even though I still have to work my butt off before I, I get in here, <laughs> we still make it happen. And I absolutely, um, well, like I said, I appreciate you and I appreciate being able to do this with you. 
Um, and also, you know, tell Terrell that I really appreciate her and and the kids um, allowing you to to do this with me every week. Um, but let's let's do some fun stuff before I let you get back to them and, and get to some football. Um, All right. I mean, you had a long career. You know, twenty years in, in a month is is um, it's a long time in any industry. But and you've worked with a lot of people, some repeat offenders that you worked with. Um, yeah. So we'll start with. Oh, you made E seven. So, if you could take any, normally I would say five soldiers, but I'm going to say eight. Is that too many, Ooh. or do you want to do five? Goodness. Uh, let's go. Let's, let's. I can try to name eight. Why not? All right. So if you had to put together you and eight soldiers to build a squad. It could be anybody, any any soldiers that you served with, who would you pick? Oh boy. Ah, goodness. Um wait, and and before I say this, um if you still talk to any of them, pick the best one that you would want to join us here. Oh wow. Wow. There's there's so many. There's absolutely so many. Um I uh, I will tell you right now the first one that the first one that comes to mind I don't know if you uh, if you know him but um, uh, Troy Spriggs uh, Troy was a workhorse absolute workhorse uh, for me in in Hawaii uh, whatever I needed done I would call this guy and and it was it would get done it would get done and and sometimes troy would have that you know don't ask questions type of uh type of mentality he was a, he was a fantastic soldier he was on the uh, a little bit on the heavy set side um so unfortunately his uh, his career uh ended you know way earlier than it should but he would just rock a pt test this guy could rock a pt test and 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 that's one of the things that drives me crazy about the uh about the body fat composition thing it doesn't mean crap to me yeah um but he would god hard one of the hardest workers ever ever by any means um so that would probably be my first pick um another one that uh that i would uh i would definitely say andrew hennessy yeah andrew hennessy (laughs) God, I love Henny. Henny. Henny is another one that's just so hardworking, and uh, the guys, the guys, just you know, a troubled, troubled start. But like, he kills it now. He kills it in the army now. Sergeant and major I, I now, right? I know that he. I believe Man, he is Sergeant major, Sergeant major yeah. now. Uh, and uh, definitely, definitely one of the. Uh, he's 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 a fun one to be around, and uh, and definitely a hard worker. Um, you know what's funny is him and Johnson were roommates, and Johnson yeah. was my soldier, and I used to go in there and fuck with Hennessy all the time in the barracks, yeah. always. Yep. <laughs> God, man, Hennessy. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a there's one guy that uh, that I I had. Um, he was he might have been after your time, uh, Alvaro Guerrero. Uh, Guerrero G was a little short Mexican dude. Um, 
a blast to be around, but I never had any any issues. A lot of other people had issues with him, and I never once had an issue with with G. He was taught him to you know still today. Um, if I had if I had a team to put together, I would I'd want him on it. Definitely. Um, there's another one that uh, that extremely smart workhorse female soldier Nicole. Uh, her last name now is Shoop. Uh, used to be a rip Roche or crash and and stuff like that. But uh, but she was she was with me in in Korea the second time. Uh, she was she was absolutely fantastic as well. Uh, hard worker, extremely smart, extremely adaptive. Um, she's one of those that would study hard and and like just put you to shame with with knowledge and and things. Um, so that's what four. Yeah, we got oh, four. Man, we can give me that's one four. more. I I I want to go. I'm trying to name him. It's a few more. Um, Cade Moore, Cade Moore. I mentioned to you, uh, Cade before. He's a uh, he's he's out of the military now. Uh, experience. The the guy has just crazy book smarts and and. He's somebody who can look at something and figure it. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, he's out on a sailboat right now. I mentioned to you, like, hey, we should, you know, tell this guy's story. He's uh, he's uh, started out as a marine and then and came in to, came into the army air, air traffic control. And gosh, and he uh, he has a, him a on my team. YouTube channel right now, right? Yeah, he has a YouTube channel uh, for love of wind. If uh, if anybody wants to go in and check that out, give him some uh, give him some views and some likes. That'd be great. Um, but so yeah, we I did would, talk about love flow for love of flow. wind. Flow. Yep. Cade uh, Cade is definitely one I would love to have with me. Um, let's see here. So that's uh, that's five, right? That's five. Yes, sir. Let's see here. I got oh man, I got plenty more that I, I know I would like to have. Uh, there is a uh, a soldier that I had um, when I came to when I came to uh, when I came to Bragg. Uh, he's an ADA soldier, right? This ki- this kid is he's absolutely fantastic, and I hate it that his career got cut short. Uh, he had a uh, uh, his name is Dustin Wooldridge. He's not a not an air traffic controller, but uh, but the kid he could he he was my go to. If I needed something done for from our team, I'd talk to him. He made it happen. He absolutely made it happen. Um, this kid is unfortunately his career was cut short. He uh, he had his uh, diagnosed with a uh, diabetes type one diabetes. And he had to, he had to, he had to leave the service way, way too early. Um, if I could have that guy in in the room with me, I know that I'm going to succeed. Yeah. You keep in um, contact with him. I do, I do keep in contact with him. Uh, I I should keep in t- contact with him more than than what I do. Uh, but uh, but we, you know, every. Every month or so, we're we're on the we're on the on the text button going at it, and every holiday, 
telling each other happy Chris, you know, Merry Christmas or whatever. Uh, great guy, extremely smart and, and passionate. Um, let's see here. Uh, I don't know if you, you know him, uh, Edward Keo Pahiba. What was the name? Keo Pahiba. Everybody called him Keo? No. Not that I remember. So, so Keo, he's a, he was a, uh, he's a Hawaiian guy, uh, native and having him in, in Hawaii with me was, was great. Uh, when I found out that he was coming to Korea with me, Korea after me, I was in charge of, uh, of Alpha 511. Uh, and I'm like, Hey, we need him in the tower. This guy, it, like really smart. He's a goofball. Uh, but, but he was, you know, he's definitely somebody that I, I, I've thought of like, another right-hand man uh, takes care of things. And, and he would question me about things and, uh, and, and like, you know, break ideas that I had back on me. Hey, like, do you understand what's this right here? Do you, do you think this is the right move? Do you think that, you know, we could do it better? And uh, he was somebody who made me a better leader too, uh, even though, you know, he, he worked for me in, in multiple occasions. Um, I always say he worked with me because he, he was like uh, a number one or two pick for a, a shift supervisor for me while we were downrange. Um, and then, oh man, there's so many, so <laughs> many, so many, gosh. Um, Chris Jan. Chris Jan is uh, is another one. He came to me as a uh, you know a young young soldier specialist, um, uh, and he was an extremely hard worker. He would give me crap all the time uh, with with certain things, and then would uh, he would uh, you know make sure that duty's done right. Another really really smart individual. Um, I will tell you this, like like I said before, uh, I. I I don't think I ever had any bad or trouble soldiers. I was I was extremely lucky. And any success that I had in in my career, I attribute to them. They uh it was it was all about the team and and less about me. Yeah. And I you know what, man, I, I will tell you that's that's pretty much exactly how that's exactly how I feel. Um two leaders really 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 pushed that and I, I don't even know if they so much pushed it or if they just led that way and i felt like that when i become a leader when i have soldiers this is exactly how i want and and again I, i've said it sergeant first class kevin zimmerman and sergeant first class john kelly those two guys uh, we both served under uh, jk and that leadership style rubbed off on both of us you know, mm -hmm. he, he was always about us. I mean, we, we, of course, we had to complete the mission, but he always made sure that we were good to go in anything that we were doing. And that's uh, that's what I say. Uh, John Kelly is definitely definitely one of them. The other one is uh, is Ben Minus. Yeah. They uh, those two. I mean, there are so many that I can name. So many that I can name, but those two are are personal mentors uh, to me, and I I took. A little bit out of out of both of their their repertoires, and I w I wish I had half the knowledge that J.K. does with like 
just antennas and stuff. The dude does crazy stuff with antennas. Yeah. I wish I had half that knowledge. And and he gave me a lot of knowledge, a lot of knowledge. Um, and then the with Ben minus the compassion that he had, uh, his uh, his leadership style and compassion. He, I, I'm so happy, so happy to call him a, a leader, but even more happy to call him a friend. Yeah. Uh, you know he he was. He was somebody that uh, that could get, you know, get down on your level and 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 really get things across and uh, and be extremely compassionate about it. We are we're great friends. Friend with he he loves my daughter to death. Whenever whenever Izzy was small, baby, he'd have her up on his knee and just you know bouncing her around and stuff like that. When we we're in Korea together, and um, anytime that I have any kind of questions, I I call on him. Uh, those two are are definitely definitely and there's so many others that I could that I could say but uh, but those two are the ones that really stand out yeah um and and no. John Kelly John when he what he what he's doing today even man I, if I could go and if I could go and work with him on a daily basis that would be man it would be wonderful I don't want to do that because I want to get out on a sailboat but yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure is coming. Um, oh, yeah, and and it, this is, uh, you know, I have trouble trying to figure you out with this next one, like your favorite duty station. Because oh, I, I, if I, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say Hawaii, but you also got to be in Korea with your family. So, uh, you know, I, uh, it's going to sound, it's going to sound kind of odd. I, uh, I, I've loved everywhere that I've been, um, and I've been extremely fortunate with my duty stations. I, I loved Hawaii and everything, but I will uh, I will tell you, from an experience in the military standpoint, it's been Fort Bragg. Not for the location, um, but for the opportunities that I had here. Um, the uh, you know. Becoming being selected to be the sexual assault response coordinator for the 18th Field Artillery Brigade was a, it was a freaking honor. Um, somebody who always was always passionate about EO and really wanted to go down like an EOA route. Um, and then they said, "Hey, look, we we have a spot. Are you interested in this?" I'm like, "Okay, sure, I'll give it a shot." The not going to say that like what we did as controllers meant nothing or anything like that. But my time helping victims of sexual assault was definitely something that stands out to me. Uh, I felt like I was making a difference in somebody's life every day. Uh, unfortunately, the first time, often the first time that you would meet somebody, it was on the worst day of their life. Uh, and then to see them grow from a victim to a survivor and then to a thriver, that's the way we like to say it, that was so rewarding to me. Yeah. And again, um, I mean, knowing, knowing how hard you work and, and what you put into what it is that you're doing. I couldn't have picked a better dude to do something to to, to be a SAR. Um, you know, it's it's amazing, and I'm sure it, 
at some point as we continue this thing, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, not to derail it too much, but part of um, what one of the subjects that I, I really wanted to cover, and I, I know that it's a heavy subject, and we talk a lot about mental health, but there's something that a lot of people don't understand is the, the you know, military sexual trauma. Um, it's something that I learned about when, uh, as I was going through the rating process with the VA and working with the VA, um, yeah. had no clue and started to learn a lot more about it. And as you started to peel back those layers, you realize how important SARS are in the military and you guys don't get enough credit and enough notice, even though I know that it's not something that you would want. You don't want to be highlighted because it's not about you, but you guys play an important role um, to, you know, with, with victims and survivors of sexual assault in the military. So, um, you know, they couldn't have picked a better dude to, to play that role. And I'm sure you, you probably missed in that role. I'll tell you the uh, one of the big things was you you go through this training to to become this and you learn so much about yourself, so much that you're not aware of, uh, and then micro nuances that you have, and 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 then you you, I feel like that job that that position, it made me a better husband, it made me a better father to my kids. I feel like it overall made me a better man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how how he could uh, accomplish that because I told you from day oh. one, man, you were rock solid. But, oh. I mean, um, I don't want to leave it on a somber note. So <laughs> you got one untold story. Um, oh, gosh. One untold story. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what the, I'm, I'm like an open book and I don't even know what to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure uh, the embarrassing moments, funny moments. So, all right, there you go. We, uh, when we deployed, we had a, uh, we had our first sergeant, uh, first sergeant at Benar. Uh, he was, uh, he never really knew how to take this guy. He was his he was a Turkish uh, he was a Turkish guy, um, and uh, first sergeant in our in our in our military. And you go down range, and you're in you're in Iraq, more in Spiker, especially. Uh, a lot of the workers that you saw there were often Turkish. Uh, so he would just be talking to these guys and and everything. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Um, one day he's like, hey. Uh, we're going to go and we're going to eat with my friends over here. So all of us like leaders and, and a few of the soldiers were like, uh, okay, we don't know how to take it. We don't know. Like you, you hear all these horror stories. Like, are these, are these people, uh, are they, are they going to try to get info from us? Or are they going to take us prisoner? We don't know what's, what the heck's going on. Yeah. Right. You always hear the horror stories. Uh, we were so hesitant. To go over there and and talk to them just because of like the 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 crap that you hear and uh, like okay and then it started like spreading around like in the unit like oh do we do we need to do this I don't know if we need to do this and uh, and <laughs> first on Akbar he would he would often be like oh, no just go just go man just go we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and okay. 
right. All right. How are you going to tell the first sergeant? No. Right. right. We get over there and, uh, and these guys are, uh, these guys are, uh, they none of them look like really overtly friendly. We were in like odd little spots and, uh, and we, we have no idea what the heck, uh, what the heck's going on. Um, I kid you not. Some of us thought we were going to wind up eating cats during, <laughs> during this time or, or something bad was going to happen. And, uh, it just felt so uncomfortable. And these guys, they started messing with us. <laughs> they started just messing with us. And, uh, eventually everything came out. I'm not going to go into all the, all the gritty details and everything, but like they started messing with us. We didn't know what the heck was going on. And, um, uh, and, and it was, uh, and it was quite the experience with with the soldiers that uh, that uh, it, was, it was something to remember. For Did sure. first sergeant put him up to it. it? First sergeant, first sergeant put him up to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, cool. That's Wonderful. hilarious. But it's, it's kind of funny, like the uh, the the embarrassing and uh, and and crazy stories like that you hear. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell one more, if you don't mind. No, not at all. Um, so when I, when I deployed this last time, like I said, the embarrassing stories and the, and the, the crazy, more fun ones always had to do with like local nationals and stuff like that. Right. So, uh, we go to a a country called Tajikistan and, uh, never really even heard of Tajikistan before in my life. And like, okay, I'm going to go to Tajikistan. Where's Tajikistan? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and uh sounds like a foot it, disease right it sounds sounds like something kind of crazy <laughs> well we uh we go there and uh we're on we're on a deployment right but we go we go to Tajikistan to do uh to do the TSC stuff to do the alliance stuff and uh and uh we're uh we're trying to figure out what what to do um there's a few like clubs and stuff that you were able to go to and everything we've got it's me and the colonel and two majors, a couple of uh, warrant officers, and and uh, a couple of captains. And uh, we uh, we we're like, all right, so we want to go somewhere somewhere to have fun, like more like economy type, you know, places, right? Uh, one of the captains, he he spoke he spoke Russian, and they speak Russian Tajikistan. So, uh, so he's like, oh yeah, we're going to go to this place there. This, this person said they go to this address. I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to go there, check it out. And, uh, and, and it's supposed to be like a little, like a little party type place, right? We're going to go there, have a few drinks and, you know, food and stuff like that. And, uh, we get into a car and the car is like, you want to go where? Yeah, we're gonna go over here to this place, this address. He's like, okay. So we take off riding. We start going down some crazy little back roads, absolutely crazy little back roads. Like, where the hell are we going? And we come up on this complex, freaking big stone walls, like probably twelve foot stone wall around this around this complex. Right? It's like, here you go, get out. <laughs> we're out in the middle of freaking nowhere. We're like. What the heck have we gotten ourselves into? So we knock on the knock on the gate, and then some guy comes out and starts talking Russian. Come, come. 
All right, cool. So we're going around the, we go inside the gate and, uh, and it's walking through the a courtyard of this complex. And we, we don't know what the heck's going on. Right. And, uh, and then go to knock on another door and the door opens and this, this guy goes, Hey, come in, come in, come in. And like, there's the, there's the guy that we asked about the place. And then the guy that owns the place, he's there. And we go into this, an empty restaurant looking thing, right? This is huge, like gala restaurant type thing. It's all dirty and looking and <laughs> just like old Russian style, yeah. if you will. Smells of, smells of stale cigarettes and everything else. Like, what have we got ourselves into? Me and, me and a boy said, what's going on here? We don't know what the heck's going on. And uh, it's like, oh, it starts telling us about the little restaurant, what it used to be a restaurant, this, that, and the other. And then uh, it's like, okay, come. So we start walking down this little alleyway inside of this compound, going up some stairs and then across a, across a, uh, across like a, a little breezeway to another building. And we come up to this, this big like metal door. And it has like, no kidding, one of the little eye, eye freaking slots, right? Yeah. So bang, dude bangs on the door. And the eye slot opens. They start speaking Russian. And it closes it. The door opens. I'm like, this is like straight out of a freaking movie. I don't know what the heck's going on. <laughs> immediately, gonna I started thinking about we're, Beer Fest. We're going we're gonna to die tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and like, so like he opens up the door. We walk in. We go into another door. And like all of a sudden, you hear music. Doo, 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 doo. And this guy has a club in the middle of this building that's hidden from everything else that's so that wild. the authorities can't come to it. And like, oh, and like, there's probably like 50 something people in there. And, uh, we walk in, we walk in that place and it's like, everybody stops dancing and they just stare at us. We're like, uh, okay, this is kind of odd. So we walk up to the, uh, we walk up to the, he's like, got a VIP section sitting out up here. He's like, come, come over here. We go to the VIP section and I'm like, okay, this is, uh, this is kind of odd. And, uh, we're in the middle of everybody and everybody's just staring at us. And, uh, all right, that's, that's kind of weird. Yes. I, uh, so, so the, the crazy thing was I go to the bar. I'm like, I'm going to get something to drink. I go to the bar and I pull out some Tajiki money. And uh, and they just like eyes wide open at me. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? It's like, you know, it, here have the, I was like, I want to, I want a drink, I want a beer, and uh, and like I get the I get the beer, and he tells me how much it is, and it's nothing, absolutely nothing. And I've got you know, I don't know how much I I, I think I brought like maybe sixty bucks worth of tajiki money with me. Yeah. And I bought the house around twice. Jesus Christ. In this place. <laughs> Holy crap, man. I was high rolling, dude. There's I the other spent, part. We, we spent seven days in Tajikistan. All right. Spent seven days in Tajikistan. And I spent probably $300 the entire trip. Jesus. And I got, I got a, we stayed at the Hyatt and I got a, Full, a 90 minute full body massage every single day that I was there. <laughs> to it's, like, it's like, it's like Euro trip. Like, yes. Oh, 
A uh, nickel. nickel. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> oh, I man. Opened my own hotel. That was the greatest. That was the, that was like one of the greatest trips. That, uh, it, uh, it honestly was. I, like I said, I spent maybe, maybe $300 the entire seven days there. And I had a massage, a full body massage every day that we were there. Man, I literally, I was telling a friend and her husband that on, like, I want to go to all the stands, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan. I want to go to all of them. And they were, I thought they were going to think I'm crazy. They want to go too. I'm like, let's, let's go. So hopefully eventually I'll, I'll be over. It was, it was a, it was a, it was a fun time. Yeah. I did get I did get in trouble one time because being a photographer and I and I took a picture of the of their Capitol building. They didn't like that. Mm. Um, but I was like, okay, cool. And and uh, they wanted me to delete it. I'm like, no. But I'm like, I'm not gonna hurt anything. Yeah. And I just won't take any pictures again. That's awesome, yeah, man. But it was it was it was it was a fun trip though. So you didn't get any pictures in Turkmenistan, or did they let you keep them? I, I, I got a, I got a few pictures in Tajikistan. Or but, Tajikistan, uh, excuse me. Tajikistan. I got a few pictures. Uh, not many, but uh, but I, I got a few. That's awesome. Uh, it, they were they were they were really, you know, especially around government buildings. They were really, uh, you know, kind of crazy. You know, and it's kind of odd. You go into a go into like a store there, a store, uh, and it looked more like a flea market here. And uh, their mall looked like a flea market, and uh, and see like see like World War Two and uh, like memorabilia like just sitting up there on the wall. Like I wanted to get a fuzzy cap, like one of the like the <laughs> old CCC CCP, you know, <laughs> the old uh, the old uh, Soviet caps. I wanted to get one of those. I started to get one, and I, and I didn't. Um, and I said I, I went back and forth on it. I was like, I want to get it. I don't want to get it. I want to get it, but I don't want to get it. <laughs> no, I definitely and, want uh, one. And uh, I, it was like, it was no kidding, authentic, like from from the time. And uh, I was like, oh, I really want it. And then like you had like they had all kinds of like Nazi memorabilia and stuff, like like war war trophies and stuff like that. And I'm like, God, like how do you get all this stuff? And if if I got it, would it would it cause an issue? You know. Because like not. You never, you, you never know, and because uh, like yeah, I, I bought it, but was it illegal buying it there? You know, <laughs> it's, it was one of those crazy situations. You know, yeah, like uh, like they had like old old war helmets that were that were used during World War Two, and and like uh, like old old Russian t- Russian memorabilia, and uh, I was like, man. I definitely, I definitely want to go there. What year were you there? Uh, we were there uh, two thousand. Can you disclose that? We're there in two thousand fourteen, I believe. It was no two thousand fifteen. Okay, because I was there two thousand fifteen to sixteen, I believe is what it was. Craziness. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to go there someday. Um, but Tony, man, I, I really I appreciate you. Um, taking the time to tell us about yourself. Um, it's great to do. Uh, I'm a I'm a non interesting interesting person, I guess. No, nah, man. I, you again. Um, one of 
the cool things about being able to do this is everybody's uh, military journey is different. No matter what branch, it's it's always something. And most people, um, you know, they think that, well, you go to basic training and you, you, you know, you get your head shaved and then yeah. you do this and you get issued a gun and you put on camo and, yeah. and everybody's trip to and through the military is different. And, and it's awesome. And being able to, to hear these stories and put them out is, is just, it's something I love doing and I love hearing. Um, and we got to get more people to, to get out and tell their unique story too. So, yeah. um, you take one of those eight people or all of your eight people that you chose and uh, see who's up next. All right. We'll do. I'll, yeah. I'll definitely reach out to some of them. All right, guys. We'll, uh, we'll try to get done. Yes, then, sir. Uh, I guess we get to give everybody a reprieve from my, uh, from my Southern accent for next week because I'm going to be on a cruise sitting That's in the Bahama. Right. And uh, who knows? I might start wearing a Speedo. I don't know. Shut the hell up. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you guys are stuck with me. Uh, with no Tony next week. So um, I don't know. I'll figure something out to to yap about for 30, 40 minutes. Um, and then we'll, when Tony comes back in two weeks, we'll get to hear about his story if if he wants to talk about it, if he's not still on vacay. Uh, I will share pictures of me and my Speedo. How about no, that? I'm, I'm good. <laughs> How about this? You share that on your individual Facebook page. <laughs> Do not tag me. Hey, we're we're bringing in customers, right? We're gonna bring in some listeners. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we can. Uh, we're gonna get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely would get canceled for that. Yeah. One. yeah, nobody wants to see this. <laughs> no, and you know what? Um, I've we we got a whole bunch to talk about. So when you get back, that that next episode is going to be probably pretty long because, um, I know that we're going to touch on uh, probably some political stuff with the primaries going on now and. Um, yeah. You know what Iowa's Iowa's done, New Hampshire, I think mm -hmm. just wrapped up, um, and and we're gonna have a few more by the time you get back. So it's gonna be a whole lot to talk about, and there's already a ton going on. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I am yes, sir. To it. Oh, and also we'll know who's going to the Super Bowl. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yeah, so that'll be I'm, fun. Hopefully, it's uh, hopefully it's uh, my homeboy. <laughs> my home my homeboy and my auto or whatever you yeah. call them. <laughs> my homes and my auto <laughs> yeah so I, I before i let you go um i know you've been or i don't know if you've been keeping up with that score yeah i i uh, got it going right now in uh detroit's up on tampa bay 31 17 31 17 with 445 left all right yeah so well, uh that Detroit's been something else this year, and then uh, and then oh man, Green Bay was something else. I thought they were going to beat the 49ers yesterday. I didn't even watch the game. I caught. Oh, it was good. I, I got home or I, I parked at the airport to uh, to try to check the score, and Green Bay was up. Yep. And I lo I I look back. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> San Francisco actually closed the game out. They did. They they dang sure did. Uh, like Brock Purdy was he was on it in the uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, and really wasn't. I think that the the water was getting to his passes. He was he was off on a lot of his passes. Yeah, uh, a lot of people were saying he was he he started out kind of terrible. Oh, Tampa Bay just scored. They did. Yep. Mm. Oh, there we go. Look at this. This looks like it's gonna be a. 
may it may wind up being a, a going down to the end too. Yeah. Well, I'm a I'm gonna jump off here and go catch it live because I've I've been wanting I I want Detroit to uh to take this one. I love Dan Campbell. I hope he gets coach of the year. Um and one thing before I go, now I, I am a firm, firm, firm supporter in Lamar Jackson getting the MVP this year. Um, I think he's I think he's got it on lock. Yeah. I think he has got it on lock. I've never been like a huge Lamar Jackson fan, even, you know, even in his college days, but like they, there's something about the kid. He's he is special. Yeah. He is special a lot of times. I wasn't big on him. Um going, you know, with the holdout and everything. I don't I don't really yeah. like holdouts, uh, especially um holdouts that are trying to get max money. Now you you get your money how you want to get your money, yeah. but you holding out, especially during OTAs and training camp, kind of screws the team over because now yeah. you know you got to get rhythm with receivers, um, and, and you know there's so much up in the air. Your line is putting in work, and you're not there. Um, yep. He got his money. He did it on his own, and and he you know he He's, came in and, he and showed, put his hard hat on and did year. the work. Yeah, he showed That's out this year, and it's something you can't you can't deny. No, so I'm actually I'm I'm, kind of, I'm hoping he gets the uh, the MVP trophy, and I'll save what I want to say for Ooh. after this game. So if if KC yeah. wins, then we'll you'll know who I'm not going uh, for next week. Yeah, because <laughs> 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 yeah, I kind of I kind of want both Harbaugh brothers to have a championship. Now, so yep. they can shut up talking about him. Maybe they both can retire or something. Well, hey, uh, he's the only one that's got it, John. No, I'm game. saying like Jim got the. Oh, talking about the, end this year. Yeah, national <laughs> championship, and then his brother. Like that would be yeah. the first time that's ever happened. And yep. if the Niners go to the Super Bowl, it'll be against um, Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's old team. Yep. yep. So that that'll be wild, man. But it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, but like right now, it's it's hard to see anybody beating see anybody beating the Ravens, man. Yeah, you don't even think your boys could do it. I I if they played their best, yes. But how are they going to play? Yeah, we've got to have they've got to have some they've got to have some help in the in the receiving core and uh, Rasheed Rice. He's 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 starting to step up at the right time, um, but. I don't know if they're going to get past the Bills tonight. Yeah, I uh, I really don't. They uh, think the what the spreads the Bills by three right now. Uh, and, last I uh, checked, I thought it was four and a half. So it's somewhere around in there, right? So I do. I think the do I think that Kansas City can can do it and and run the table? Yes, I do. Yeah, Bills but, by three. But they uh, they. They can't, uh, you know. It seems like they can't really get together in in receiving, hitting them in the hands, and dropping it. Mm-hmm. Blame Taylor Swift. <laughs> Here you go with that <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so supposed to be mid twenties at the start of the game. So um, I don't think that's going to really hurt either team. They're both pretty much used to that weather. Yeah. So we'll see, man. I'm anxious to see who pulls this one off. Um, I'm excited to watch it. That's for sure. Yeah. Thirty more minutes. So don't even matter because Lamar Jackson's going to put one of them out. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. I hope. 
I was I was hoping they would lose and and everything would go through Kansas City again. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I love you, man. Another week down. All right, brother. Love and, you. Uh, Take it easy. I'll uh, I'll I'll be thinking of you when I'm sipping a mai tai on the beach in the hot weather. Please do. Please do. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it'll probably be 75 degrees here. Just no beach. <laughs> uh, second thought, I might not be thinking of you. I probably have plenty to look at while I'm out there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. You take care, man. All right, brother. You too. All right. Later.